Hey, welcome to the 217th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. We're currently talking about 2005-ish's, because uh, it's, it's not all, it, whatever. 2005's All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder by Frank Miller and Jim Lee. And uh, so I just talked about this, the second issue last week. I'm going to talk about the third issue. And wow, have you read this, this series lately? Um, art is, is phenomenal. Art and colors, Alex and Claire doing the, the colors, Scott William and inks. But man, re- reading this issue again has been been something. So you can hear that. And sometimes I talk about movie. I recently talked about the 1984's Dune, <laughs> which was something. And uh, the, the Evil Dead reboot from 2013. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you could also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or five. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right, this week, I'm looking at what I have down to talk about this week. I have so much to talk about. It's like there's way too much. And I'm starting, it's like, how can I cut some of this stuff down? I'm going to try to go faster. I, and I always debate, you know, doing the recaps. I, I like doing the recaps just in case you're not able to watch a show or maybe you kind of don't want to, but you are kind of curious, you know, like maybe, you know, Legends of Tomorrow or or maybe you don't have HBO Max, but you want to hear about like Doom Patrol or you know, Titans. So I'll, tr- I'll try to go faster, but, you know, I don't want to be like, you know, an auctioneer dude, or, you know, just blah, 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 blah. anyways, uh, there's actually not a lot of news. And again, I know I say that a lot. But it, it doesn't look like there there is. Big kind of news. Hayden Christensen is apparently going to be in, is going to appear in the Ahsoka Disney Plus TV show. Hmm. Because we, we know he's supposed to be in the Obi-Wan show. And, you know, he's probably going to play Darth Vader in the same time period. Maybe there'll be flashbacks with, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan or something. You know, because obviously we can't have him and, and Obi-Wan interact. If, if we're assuming Obi-Wan sitting on Tatooine, you know, he shouldn't have any, any contact with, with anyone that, that we know. But with Ahsoka, the, the thing about that show is that's taken place apparently five years after Return of the Jedi. Are these going to be flashbacks? Okay. Or is it going to be <laughs> Force Ghost Anakin, which would be weird. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see about that. Oh, it's kind of upsetting, annoying news. Why the Last Man? So this is a show I talk about. Uh, this is a show, show I, I am enjoying. I love the comic. It's uh, apparently canceled at Hulu, FX, uh, FX on Hulu, or whatever they're calling it. And this, this season's not even over. So when I found out, and this the news came out, I think it was Monday, and the, the show airs on Monday. So I'm just like, should I even bother watching it? Should I even, you know, rec- record this? And that, it was this week. Now, now I'm starting to feel like this news came out last week. I'm pretty sure it was this week. I ended up watching it, and I'm going to talk about it. Uh, but it's it's just uh, it's, it's at this point. It's like okay, if it's over, why should I watch the end if I'm I'm never going to know 
what's going to happen. And, you know, yeah, you can say, well, if you're enjoying the show, you know, you want to get everything you can get out of it. But it's just kind of it's not not that it's heartbreaking. You know, I'm I'm not that attached to the show, but it is. It's the same thing with like Deadly Class. I was upset when that show was canceled. And if it would have been canceled before, I I I definitely would have still watched it. (laughs) That's maybe that's a little different. But so uh, the reason apparently for it getting canceled, I guess, is because there is like delays in production and just different things here and there. And then there's a pandemic and all this in order to continue to show there, it had something to do with like extending actors contracts and stuff like that. And it would end just end up being like really expensive for FX. And they're like, yeah, we, we, we can't cover that. You know, we, we can't justify it. And the, you know, we don't know what the, the ratings are. Cause like, you know, Hulu doesn't reveal those numbers or anything like that. So I think it was mainly the, the cost. Now I've seen like some people are like, well, maybe you know the show can be because they're, they're they're hoping it'll get picked up by someone else. You know they're they're saying, hey, we can't do it, but if someone else wants to take over the rights or whatever, awesome. I just wonder if that means would that include the first season? Like, would Hulu relinquish the streaming rights for the first season? You know, as part of it, or we're like, yeah, you can pick it up, but we want to still you know show this first season because we paid for it or whatever. Or partly paid for it. Did they pay? I don't even know how that works. I guess they paid for it. But then some people are saying, well, maybe it'll get picked up by HBO Max because HBO Max, Warner Brothers, all that stuff, and you know the comic is through was through Vertigo, which is Warner, which is DC, which you know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I'm looking because I, I know with Deadly Class, or for, from what I, I I gather, that they tried shopping that around, and everyone passed on it which sucks. You guys all suck for passing on it. And by you guys, I mean all the different people who could pick it up. I don't know. I mean, I mean I'm not going to get my hopes up. I hope it, it, it does continue. It would be cool because, I mean, it was a great comic. And um, so, so that, that stinks. But I will talk about this week's episode. So you can look forward to that. And hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we'll hear something. Matrix Resurrections. So um, not, not a lot of news here. You know, I have to say... Uh, I guess I'll mention it now. When I went and saw Dune this week, I didn't go through what's on this show week's episode, but you know you could probably read the description. When I saw Dune, there was a trailer for Matrix Resurrections. I'm trying to think if I seen a trailer in theaters. I must have by now because you know the trailer's been out for a while. But seeing it on the big screen, the trailer, I'm like, I I got more excited. You know, I was excited when I saw the trailer and and hearing like Jefferson Airplane. You know, uh, but Seeing it, just watching it, I'm like, man, I am really excited. Maybe because I've watched the Matrix movie after. I don't know. Cause I, yeah, I don't know if I've seen the trailer in the theater since. But I'm really excited for this. I really hope it's good. I mean, it looks very slick. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping it's gonna be good. So we'll see. So I, I, yeah, I, that was cool to see in the theater, even though it's been out for, for forever. The trailer. There. Speaking of trailers, there was a trailer for Uncharted. So that's Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Um, it, it looks like it could be fine. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I've, I've never I've never played the game. I have one of the games for PlayStation Three. It was like in a staff room, like, "Hey, free game if anyone wants it." So I'm like, "Yeah, I'll take it." But then I don't know if it's I don't know if I can play it on my. I, I think it's three, maybe it's two. I don't know. I have I have a copy of one of the games, and I, I don't think it's the first one. I don't even know what happened. And I, I've always wanted to play it. I just never, I, you know me in video games, I'd, I'd love to play everything 
in, in my so like in my head it's like yeah i'm a gamer because you know i've been playing since atari 2600 and you know ColecoVision and nintendo and super nintendo and all that i i'm, I'm not gonna be able to play so i don't know anything about really the, the, i don't have that connection to the game since i've never played it but i, I i'll watch the movie and it looks like it could be be fine so we'll see Speaking of Warner Brothers before, so I debated, I was almost like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to talk about this, but but then I was like, okay, I, I guess I, I should. So Ruby Rose, uh, there's, I'm, I'm really confused as to what the heck's going on. So, you know, she w- played Batwoman, she was in a CW Batwoman for a season and then left. And we kept hearing all these different reasons as to why she left. And, you know, she kept saying, it's like, no, you know, she had a back injury, you know, herniated disc or something like that, you know, from an injury on a set. And she's like, no, it wasn't that. And then, then she wasn't really saying anything. And then it was actually, it was this past, I think it was July, you know, just, just a few months ago. She said that she, the reason she left is she discovered she had an, she was, had an allergic reaction to the latex from the costume. So every time she put like wore a mask or whatever, she would just like break out and everything like that. And also, like back in March, I, I was like trying to like look up some some stuff last night. And like back in March, she there's this like interview. I think it was like sci-fi, and she's they asked her if she'd ever come back or something. She's like, yeah, I'd I'd totally do it. And um, but now we're hearing something pretty different. She took to her Instagram story, which I thought that was a little weird there. And she just basically. It was just like going off on, on everyone, like the showrunner and just the unsafe. Un, it was the show was not safe. The people getting injured. Uh, she's like someone apparently burned. Uh, someone became a paraplegic or something like that. Like all these like major injuries. She got a, a, a cut on her face, and I was like, I don't remember hearing any of this. And, and you know, maybe I just wasn't really looking into all, all the stuff or whatever. Maybe I don't know. So just all this stuff, and and she's she's calling out like like actors, you know, coming in late and being arrogant and harassment and just like all this stuff, and she's just like really just calling out like the, the producers and I think uh, Greg Berlanti, just like everyone, and just saying that you know this is just really bad. So as as I hear all this, I was I was I was it was a little weird that this was all coming out in her Instagram story. It's like this is a type of stuff that like outlets would want, you know, do an, an exclusive interview, even just a regular interview, you know, just just to talk about this, get this out, because people have been wondering why why did she leave and, and everything like that. My thinking was, how credible is this? You know, because there's always like the he said, she said, you know, all, all this stuff, and I'm thinking like if this if she's saying making all these accusations, and an outlet picks up on them, I'm not sure what the the protocol is. You know, because I haven't had to really like deal with with this aspect of it when I was running a website, a, a real website, not entertainmentfish.com. It is a real website, right? But I'm assuming like if you if someone's making all these accusations in an article, you might want to do some fact checking. I mean, I, I guess you could word it where you know it, this her word were allegedly you know this is what's happening. She's saying all this, but it was just weird that no one that there was no interview. No one's like knocking on her door. It's like, hey, you want to talk about this? And or and she's just like, yeah, I'm just going to put it out here. And maybe she just doesn't care. You know, it, it's not like about getting a paycheck for doing an interview or just you know she's just like, hey, it's my. I just want to do this. I want to get this off my chest. I want to say it because uh, <laughs> like Warner Brothers, they they call it revisionist history and. They said that there were, are, basically, they were saying she was fired. 
and there, you know, there was multiple complaints about her workplace behavior. And um, Cameras Johnson, who she she called out um, as as well, he said that <laughs> he's like she was fired, and it's very hard to be fired when you're the lead on a show. So he's like, imagine how bad the behavior had to have been in order to get fired for that. I I mean, I always I don't want to call someone like a fibber or whatever, but it's always when we get these two sides and you know we're us people us people we're never going to know the full stories because we weren't there and if it's an evil corporation cover-up or whatever and then they're going to tell everyone hey you know we'll give you a little bonus if you just go along with this or maybe you know it is true and we, i don't want to accuse anyone of bending the truth but we just don't know and it's just the whole thing is just kind of weird. But I, I think the biggest thing is where, you know, she's because like now I think she says something. She like she wouldn't be back if they put I think she might have said if they put a gun to her head, she wouldn't come back to the show. But back in March, she's like, yeah, I totally do it. And then, you know, and just a different whatever. It's just just really weird. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Marvel or Disney's delaying some some movies. And I, I, I didn't find any information. I didn't really look that deeply. I'm going to be honest. We don't know exact, or I don't know why exactly. It's, I think part of it has to do with COVID and just different productions. I mean, maybe things are still kind of slow. I don't know if it has anything to do with, with theater box office because, you know, Shang-Chi did pretty well. You know, I think they, they, I think they were happy with that, you know, and doing the exclusive window. They were like, okay, yeah, we should try this. We'll see how Eternals is, is going to do. I mean, hopefully that will do well as well. Uh, but now things are, are are getting pushed back. So Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was supposed to come out on March 25th, 2022. Now it's going to be May 6th. So just a couple of months. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder was supposed to come out May 6th, 2022. Now that's going to come out on July 8th. So like everything's kind of shifting back. Black Panther Wakanda Forever was supposed to be July 8th. Now it's coming out on November 11th. 2022 and then the marvels which was supposed to be november 11th is now february 17th 2023 so that's getting bumped to the next year ant-man and wasp quantumania was supposed to be on february 17th so now that, it's just like a domino effect so that's like gonna be july 28th 2023 and then there was some untitled marvel movies so like the first one was supposed to come out on July 28th, 2023. It's been removed from schedule. There was another one that's supposed to come out on October 6th, 2023, removed from the schedule. Um, there was uh, a, an untitled 20th century movie 20, uh, was on October 20th. That's removed. And then another Marvel those come out supposed to come out on November 10th, 2023, has been moved to November 3rd. Wait, so that one actually moved up? I guess so. And then there, um, and then there's also the Indiana Jones movie was supposed to come out July 29th, 2022. It's like a year now, June 30th, 2023. Oh, and then there's a untitled Disney live action, which was supposed to be July 14th, 2023 has been removed from the schedule. Now removed from the schedule. That's probably like, yeah, we're, we're, we'll figure out when we could do it. And, it's just I that's it's a lot. It's it stinks, and you know the movie studios. I guess they call dibs on these spots. They they try to get you know the the release because no one wants to release movies at you know at the same time. You don't have like three blockbusters same weekend because that's you're just competing against 
other other things. So, you know, that's but I mean the 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 main thing is I would rather wait than something gets rushed and and it is garbage. And also we want things to be safe. You know, there there's there's still, you know, it's it's still not you know, totally safe out there. So we want everything to be safe, everyone to be healthy, all that stuff. So if we have to wait, I mean, in a lot of these, in some of these cases, it's just a couple months. We'll, we'll be fine. We 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 can handle it. It's not ideal for us because we're greedy and selfish. I am. I want to see all of these right now. Well, actually, that'd be a lot to watch right now. But you you get it. So it it'll it'll all work out. Good things come to those who wait, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and speaking of waiting, I'm waiting for the Cowboy Bebop show. So Netflix released this uh, Lost Session, like, two-minute clip. And I don't really know what to think of, of, of this show now, at watching it. It just, I, I, part of me wonders, like, is this somewhat reminiscent of what the show is actually going to be like? Because, like, one thing that was weird, you know, they, they played around with, with, like, the background, you know, because there, there was, like, dividers, you know. So the, the three characters... Uh, you you have them like in different scenes, and then they're like literally like moving the borders between the shots. You get what I'm saying, and and they're like using it and walking into each other's like backgrounds. It's like okay, you're you're. It's not breaking the fourth wall. I don't know what you would call that. You know, you're just like walking from one scene into the other. And I, I have to admit, and I don't mean this necessarily in a bad way, but watching the the action in this clip. It reminded me of the Speed Racer live action movie, which I loved, even though it is pretty pretty cheesy cornball stuff. But just visually, oh my, I love I love Speed Racer, the Wachowskis. I love that movie. I I feel like a, I want a 4K movie a version of that, but I, I feel like my eyes would just melt from all the gloriousness of of that movie. So it just it kind of reminded me of that, and I don't know if that's a good thing. It is for me, but you know, some people don't get Speed Racer. You know, they didn't appreciate it, and you know, maybe part of it maybe didn't have a connection to the original, or just maybe it just didn't work for them. And that's totally fine. They can be wrong. <laughs> I, I love the movie, so I, I'm, I'm content with living with that. But it just reminded me of that, like the way the yeah. So I, is that what the show is gonna be like? I, I don't know. I mean, if it is fine, I'm sure it'll work, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I just I don't, I don't I don't know about that. So that comes out November 19th. So we have like like a month, just just under a month for for that. Oh, the, the kind of news. Uh, I actually I should have read more about this. She Hulk is coming back in comics because She Hulk's been been kind of like all over. You know, she was going for for a while. She like she couldn't turn into Hulk, right? And then she did turn into Hulk. And then she was going by Hulk and not She-Hulk. And she was a little like more uh, beef, beefy. And and then now recently in the comics, she's Red She-Hulk, Red, Red Winter She-Hulk or something. But I guess she's going back to regular She-Hulk, which makes sense, you know, since we have the TV show coming out eventually or whatever. So they want her to be reminiscent. So that's good. I, I really like the She-Hulk character. And uh, yeah, it, it'd be good to, to kind of go back. And I, I'm, I'm trying to remember it because, I, you know, when did she become kind of like this jokester character? You know, and I don't know if it was John Byrne's run, you know, breaking because She-Hulk broke the fourth wall maybe before Deadpool did because, you know, Deadpool didn't start off breaking the fourth wall. Right. Am I totally wrong now? So um, 
I, I just really like the character, so that'll be fun to see. And uh, the last bit of news, we've got some Munsters news. There was an image release of the cast, like, outside the their house. Uh, what is it? Something, something, Mockingbird Link. What's the, the number? I don't remember. I'm not going to look it up. So I, I'm, I'm, it looks good. I, I wonder, is it going to be in black and white? Because the picture was. I almost feel like it should be. Yeah, because, I mean, if it was color, it's going to look... Because I know there was... Wasn't there, like, a updated Munsters or, like, another one? And it, it just... It looked it looked wrong because it, it was... I, I don't I don't think it was the same cast. I think it was, like, a, like a whatever. Not necessarily a reboot, but... I don't know. I'm not up on my Munsters history. <laughs> I, I thought I want to watch... I'm still bummed that my daughter started watching it without me because I would love to... And now he's like, I know I can watch it now on my own, but it's like... And there's just so much to watch. And there's so much other stuff to talk about. So that is going to be the news for the week. All right, with comic books, uh, there wasn't anything I read at Image this week. Uh, Deadly Class Trade uh, Volume 10 came out, so you should be reading that. Gunslinger Spawn, number one, came out. Uh, I'm tempted. I I do have have a copy of this, and I want to read it. I'm just, I really want to be into Spawn, read Spawn, but I, I just feel like I just, I, it's been so long and I don't know. The, my main reason for reading this is because you know, Brett Booth's art. And so maybe I'll, I'll check it out. I, I should have read it, but again, with, with, it's been a crazy week, so I just didn't get around to it. And uh, Luther Strode, the complete series came out. So that is, is worth picking up. That, that's, um, that Justin Jordan, that was always a, a fun comic to, to read all of the various, in iterations of volumes and then uh time for time volume one came out so a lot, a lot of good stuff from image some some trades that if, if you've been missing out if you haven't been keeping up you can you know check those out and then yeah there's nothing at boom there's nothing at idw so it was it was kind of a good week i was like thank you um because even like uh, marvel didn't didn't have a lot there was a, a few more books at at a DC that I should talk about. Okay. So trying to go through comment and I feel like the order matters or, or I mean not order matters, order changes. So this is just whatever. Uh, so flash Seven Seventy Five came out and I'm just, I'm, I'm not totally feeling this here. I mean, we have Wally, Wally West as a flash, which is, is cool and everything. And, there's something going on. One one thing that that's unfortunate is Superman appears here, so it's like it's already out of continuity because isn't Superman gone now? You know he he left Earth already, so we have him. There's this uh, glaive, this thing that just appeared. So it it starts off with uh, Wally, Superman, and Mister Terrific. They're like, what is this strange object that just you know crashed in the middle of the street and everything? Something is going on and. It's causing people to get very bitter and angry and just rude. It's not affecting Wally for some reason because even Superman kind of, you know, went off, kind of was a little grumpy towards Wally. So Wally, it, it takes him a while. You know, he doesn't put two and two together right away, but then he kind of figures it out because like everyone's just like snapping at him. So we'll have to see. And then you know, then like all these people start start coming after it and and that. So that I was that was okay. Batman one fifteen. Here it's Batman and Miracle Molly. We, we still have the remnants of Fear State and all that stuff. I feel like 
I feel like this is going on for, for a while. And I, I think part of the unfortunate, um, my problem with it, is because Scarecrow is involved here and Scarecrow has been in Titans. And it's just, it's too much Scarecrow. You know, Scarecrow is a fine villain. And yeah, he can be, he can either be like a big weenie, especially when his mask is removed. Or he could be just, he could be pretty creepy. And, and, you know, that's how it should be. But as with all, like, villains, like, especially, like, with Joker, you know, I, I feel like moderation is key. And to have this long, ongoing story with Scarecrow, even though he wasn't always, like, front and center, but, you know, he was involved. He was, like, behind the scenes or on the outskirts. Or, so I just feel like it's, it's just too much. But uh, there, there's some good stuff here. And then there's also, like, backups with uh Batgirls, Cassandra Kane, Stephanie Brown. So they're they're trying to, you know, in the anti Oracle thing. That I, I don't know how I feel about this anti Oracle the seer who has managed to somehow hack into the Oracle system. So now she knows everything. And I always say, you know, when you have a villain that that finds out like all information, like heroes' identities and stuff like that, that's when it becomes a problem because why wouldn't the villain just go straight, you know, threaten to expose the identity? And that that is always like the weird thing when they choose not to because they want it to be a personal, you know, vendetta or whatever. I don't, I don't know. But the, uh, um, it is, is I, I'm, I wonder what's going to happen with Oracle after this. And, you know, are there going to be any kind of safeguards? Because it's, you know, it's dangerous in the wrong hands and all that. And then Nightwing 85 kind of continues uh, Barbara and Nightwing. You know, this is where they're trying to take down, like, the Oracle version 2 backup or something like that. So Barbara suits up, as you can see on the, on the cover. So they, they go out to, to try to – because, you know, it's not safe in the city. There's still, you know, anti-vigilante task force robot fighter patrols and, and stuff like that. So th these were, were these were good issues. Uh, Catwoman 36, um, yeah, and here the, the thing is, you know, we have Catwoman, or not Catwoman, I mean, yeah, we have Catwoman, but we have, like, Poison Ivy, but in um, one of the Batman comics, it's like she's a, it's, it feels like this Catwoman story is taking place before, so, uh, I don't know, and then, uh, <laughs> let's see, I, see, now I feel like I'm reading these out of order, or I'm, I'm going through this list in a different order that I read them. Which again doesn't matter. Batman Catwoman issue eight. I and this is another series. I'm just I'm kind of not really feeling it. And part of for me, like personally, part of the problem I'm having is just how it keeps jumping around to different time periods. And I, I you know, it, it's interesting when when stories do that. You know, it's always cool to see like the the near future and whatever up the present. And but here it's just it it just flows intermittently and it and I don't know. It's weird seeing Catwoman having like a a friendship with Joker, and you know this has caused some problems between her and Batman, and we see them arguing stuff like that. But it, I I just don't understand. And maybe we'll, this is something we'll find out maybe next issue or maybe at the end of the series or whatever. I just don't get why she would want to be friends with him. I mean, she knows that he's he's psychotic. We she knows that he's evil and he just kills right and. and you know, regardless of Selena's thieving ways, she's not necessarily like a, a cold-hearted killer. I mean, she'll kill if she has to, if she's in a situation. But to just like hang out with a killer who's just—I just—I don't understand why 
she would want to and i don't know maybe i missed something yeah it's it's just it's just really weird oh wait suicide squad issue eight came out all right i somehow i missed that so i need to get that issue yeah so i didn't i can't speak on that green lantern issue seven i'm curious about what's going on here so like the you know the the central power battery was destroyed you know all the green lanterns are depowered except for a couple and i feel like you know we're at issue seven now and it it i'm not really sure where this is going and and what's happening you know we noticed sinestro wasn't involved you know he said he wasn't and there there's still the mystery of teen lantern and you know what where's her power come from and you know it's good to see baz baz almost feels a little different i mean he doesn't have a ring, but thankfully, you know, he's, he's still involved. And then there's just some remnant mention of Jessica Cruz, you know, the stuff that she has a yellow lantern now, you know, ring. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I want to know what's going to happen next, but I, I just feel like, I don't know. It's, it's like things need to get going. We need to figure out what, what's happening. So I don't know. Am I being impatient? And maybe. Then we have Shazam issue four. This is another one. This is only issue four. It feels like it's been more than four issues. What we've seen in the Teen Titans Academy series, something's going on with Billy Batson with his powers. You know, he's he's been having trouble becoming Shazam and everything like that. It's just been unstable. So in this series, he and a friend they, they go to hell because it turns out. The Rock of Eternity somehow was was transferred there, so he needs to find a wizard to figure, hey, what's going on? And there's this whole thing, you know, that that happened with that. And now here, let's see. Uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler because it doesn't say it in the. Well, it's in the preview page. He comes into he comes across someone. He comes across Black Adam, but it's like it looks nothing like Black Adam. It's, it's like young black adam but he almost like he has blonde hair and he says he's from the future whether this has something to do with one of the future state books i, I read those i don't remember this young black adam so much but the stuff goes i i don't even know what's going on here <laughs> even i've been reading it um superman son of kal-el issue four okay so i need to clarify one of the things that i didn't mention last week uh and it was like after i recorded i was like Oh, and it was like too late to, to do it. Just, I wasn't going to like edit it again. So I mentioned how it was weird with the news that it came out and everything like that and how it's annoying that this stuff comes out in the news before the comic comes out and everything. So what had happened is I believe it was last Monday was the, the FOC, the final order cutoff for the issue in question. I think it might be, I think, it's, is it issue five? Where... It, Jonathan's going to realize or, or he's going to admit or come out or whatever, however they're going to write it, explain it, that he's bisexual. So I talked about this last week. So the good news about the way that came out in the news is those who want to read the issue, because I, I mentioned how it was annoying for comic store owners that when this, this news breaks and then, you know, People go to the comic store and they're like, hey, do you have this issue? And they're like, no, I don't have any extras. And then, you know, you get unhappy customers. So now with the news coming out, comic stores like, whoa, I can order 100 copies now. So if you're planning on buying it, like, oh, this is going to be a collector's item. 
it is pro- it's going to be overprinted. I mean, there is high demands. Congrats to everyone involved, and congrats to DC. If this, so this is where it just feels like it's a marketing thing, because they didn't do this before, you know, and that was the annoying thing. So now, I, I may sound hypocritical, but now DC is like, hey, we're gonna not leave comic stores in alert, so we're gonna announce this first, so they can order extra copies if they want, so everyone can get one, and, and so forth. But it almost feels like it's a cash grab. Like, let's make this, let's push this news. You know, because obviously there's there's no way no one would know that this is going to be all over, that people are going to be reacting positively and negatively. You know, people are going to be talking about it and people who don't read comics are going to be talking about it. And people who don't read comics might be like, hey, maybe I should pick this up. And there's going to be people who are things that they, they can pick it up and they'll be able to flip it and buy a house afterwards, or which isn't going to happen. So you have all that. And apparently I, I missed it. I meant to look this up, but... I think there was news. I have, I've read absolutely nothing about this. I don't think I've gotten a press release or anything. But I think that there's going to be a transgender character going to Themyscira. And, see, I, I just don't know how I feel about this. It's I mean, it's great in a way that we have this. But I think having the Tim Drake news and then the Jonathan Kent news and then now this, it's almost like... DC is really pushing it. Like they're really trying. And again, it's, it's good. You know, it's, it's been what 80, whatever years that, you know, we haven't had inclusion diversity, but now it's like, was there some sort of like mandate from human resources that, you know, they need to be more equitable. And I hope that there's good intentions involved and it's not just like, Hey, this is going to make headlines or, Hey, look at how, how great we are. Cause you know, that's not what DC is is about. Or, I mean, I don't know. I mean, things may be different now. I haven't been as involved with them since, you know, new ownership and, you know, the the top corporate owners, whatever. Who knows? But long-term, hopefully, you know, this is all going to be good stuff. You know, if if it really bothers you, uh, I hope it doesn't really bother you. If it, but if it does, just don't, don't read those issues. You know, it, it, everything doesn't have to be for everyone. There's nothing wrong with including, you know, stuff for everyone that are for other people. I, was, I, I guess what I should say, you should have, there should be something for everyone, but everything doesn't have to be for every, everyone. Does that make sense? <laughs> so, so yeah. And if you don't believe that it's, it's no quote unquote normal for someone to be bisexual, which is absolutely ridiculous. Don't read the comic, but if you are like, hey, this is something that happens, this is completely normal, then yeah, you can enjoy Superman, Son of Kal-El. Speaking of, boy, talk about a tangent. Oh, man. Um, so I, I guess I get going. So this, you can see in the cover, this is why Clark Kent shouldn't have revealed his identity. Uh, the, the Kent farm gets, gets attacked, blown up. We discovered that because uh, Jonathan's new friend, uh, what was his name? I don't remember that his his future boyfriend um, was over for dinner or lunch or dinner or something. He, he Jonathan hears like an explosion come, like something's going to happen, and it's a cool scene the way it plays out. And so you know he has like a split second. You know he's moving between the seconds. He's like, I need to save everyone, but he has to save Jonathan, Martha, and um, and what's his name? Anyways, I'm not going to look it up. He has he can't save all three. But it turns out he doesn't have to save all three. What does that mean? So we have that. 
Uh, Batman versus Big B, issue two, Wolf and Gotham. I'm having a hard time getting into this one. I mean, the first issue, I was like, because, you know, I, I loved Fables when it was out. You know, I, I came on a little late and I started, uh, you know, reading the you know first couple or first few trades and then was reading the series. And it just, it feels weird. And I don't think it has anything to do with, like, this is a different continuity. But it, it's just weird. Like, with the first issue, I was like, which Robin is this? I wasn't really sure because I was like, is this Dick Grayson? But then we have other, it's like, would he still be Robin? And I was like, I don't think that's Jason. And it's definitely, it can't be Damien. Because then I think we had mentioned a Tim. So I don't know. But it turns out that there's a bunch of Robins for some reason. And uh, yeah, uh, Big B, Batman ca- captures him because he thinks that he's killing all these people. There's there's like these wolf attacks or something. And he, you know, locks him up like in uh, the Batcave. And then he ends up like destroying the majority of, of the Batcave. Or something, which is like that's not cool. It's like how is Batman gonna fix all this? And anyways, Batman Secret Files Peacekeeper. I read this. I I'm just I I'm not a big fan of Peacekeeper at all. So it, it was just it was okay. Catwoman Lonely City issue one. This this was a, a a good comic. So this is written and drawn by Cliff Chang Chang, and it's a what did how to describe it? So it says a. Uh, Ten years ago, a massacre known as Fool's Night claimed the lives of Batman, the Joker, Nightwing, and Commissioner Gordon, and sent Selina Kyle, the Catwoman, to prison. A decade later, Gotham has grown up. So basically, she she's released from jail, and you know some people, someone had to like pull some strings and everything. So we have this like older Catwoman. You know, Batman's dead. She's kind of accused of killing him. Did she? You know, you have to see to find out. And it's just like, okay, so now she's, what is she going to do? You know, she's free, trying to, you know, pick up some pieces, stay out of trouble, and uh, and, and and so forth. And, you know, there are some appearances from other characters. So this was a cool, cool comic. And, you know, sometimes I, I know where I'm like, oh, this is out of continuity. What's this matter? Why should I read this? Why should I care? But this is a good example where you could have a comic like that, but because it's, written very well and drawn very well that there's that interest where even though because i like with i and i don't want to compare but with the the batman versus big b that's its own thing and that should be a cool but something about it is just not working for me and i i can't quite place my finger on it uh it, it's just hard for me to just like okay yeah i i'm i'm interested here but this is just i don't know maybe it's just something different maybe it because it's detached enough that it makes it feel different versus the big B one. It's like, it's kind of, it should be in continuity, but then it's not, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but this is just really good. So I, um, it's a, a black label book and it is a black label book, right? Yeah. And it's, it's like over 50 pages for the first issue. And it's, it's just really cool. So y- you should definitely read this. This is one that you don't have to be reading anything currently. You can just jump in and read this. And I think, these are the kind of books that can be important in a way. And I know I go on and on about continuity, but stuff like this, what's important about it is it, is it stands on its own. And this is always something that someone's like, hey, I want to read something, but I don't know where to start. And they're like intimidated by just trying to dive into the regular ongoing books. So that's that's the good thing when DC is doing all these out of continuity stuff because anyone can just jump in. And you can say hand this to a friend and say, hey, check this out. Okay, then we have uh, Nubia and the Amazons. 
I, I realized I don't know a whole lot of Nubia. It's like, where did she come from? I, and I feel like just like recently there was a, a, a bit of her. I don't know if she, her character goes back further than just recently. I'm assuming it she does. And maybe I just, I, whatever, I just, I don't know anything. Uh, so, you know, I, I know Nubia is kind of taken over as, as queen of the Amazons because Hippolyta, Hippolyta, Hippolyta is with the Justice League. And Wonder Woman still, I don't even know where she's at because I haven't been reading her series, where she was ascended to godlike form and then she was in in Asgard for somewhere with no memory. I, I don't know what's going on. But uh, there is this well on Themyscira where women who have been wronged or battered or abused or killed, they're like reborn into Themyscira. They don't have memories of their previous life. And, you know, they become Amazons. And then, you know, they go through training and the trials and everything like that. So we have that. And there, there's something happening with the well. Something's going to happen. Okay. I mean, it, it was fine, but I just did feel like I didn't have, like, a super attachment because I I don't really know much about Nubia. So, but I'm, I'm willing to, to, to check it out. Then there's Refrigerator Full of Heads, issue one. So this is under the Hill House Um banner so like the the joe hill it's um it's not written by him i think that there's a connection to basketball heads which i i really like that but it, it's it starts off there's like this knife that does like something but that i believe i think it's the same axe that was in basketball heads so basically what happened in basketball heads someone gets their head chopped off with this like s- mythical special axe the head is still alive, even though it's it's just a, a severed head, and which would be a horrible to have to spend your eternity as just a chopped off head, and not able to do anything. So, in this issue, it there's no like direct or this series, there's no like direct connection. The axe, I think it might be here, which and I I feel bad for like not knowing for certain. I see, unless it's an ex- yeah, it says crime novelist Rio yours joins forces with artist Tom Fowler to unleash a Gonzo Grindhouse expansion on the lore of the original Basketful of Heads. So yeah, I mean, there is a connection there. But it's, so we have this like couple that rents this house, like, you know, in small town, kind of like vacation. Lady said she's an author and just wants something quiet. And the husband's just kind of there to support her or whatever. And um, this, this trouble starts getting stirred up. The, the husband kind of stirs up some trouble. I don't th- know if it was inten- intentional or not. And then they, they kind of come across. So <laughs> and they, they find the, the axe. I, I feel like I'm giving way too much. And, and there is a, a chopping <laughs> that happens. And uh, it's, it's something. Uh, yeah. So that, that was pr- pretty nuts. Um, and that, I believe, is it for DC. Marvel now, for some reason because we're not even in the fifth month, there wasn't a lot of Marvel books this week. And that is good for me, because it made it easier for me to read all the comics. Uh, There's Death of Doctor Strange, issue two. So Doctor Strange is dead. But then after he died, Doctor Strange came back. But it's a different Doctor Strange. It's not Doctor Strange. Uh, Spoiler, it turns out that at one point in time, Doctor Strange gave up like a week of his life as like kind of like a contingency so this is kind of like this emergency basically he did this so if he's ever killed he can investigate his murder so this is 
a younger Doctor Strange. Like he doesn't know everyone. You know, he knows like some of the people, but he, you know, he it's it's just a different Doctor Strange because he's like, okay, who's the Sorcerer Supreme now? And you know, because this was before he was Sorcerer Supreme, I guess. When was he Sorcerer Supreme? So uh, yeah, and then there's an attack. Other stuff happens, and then he's like involved, and yeah. So it's I, I, I'm I'm into this. I, I'm enjoying it. Then we have Fantastic Four thirty seven. So this is a kind of like a Halloween issue, and um, there's just still stuff going on with, with with Human Torch where he's overpowered thanks to Doctor Doom, and you know he he can't turn off his flame, and it's super hot. But a, a lot of what's going on is with the the Kree and Scroll kids that Ben and Alicia have kind of adopted because you know they were on this gambling thing and they were just like fighting each other like over and over again and you know people were betting on them. So this game collector, I forgot what her name is, gamekeeper person, like decides she wants them back. And so, you know, there's going to be stuff going on there. But there, there's also like little developments like, you know, um, with, with the characters. And, and there's some stuff with like with uh, Alicia that's it's worth um, taking note of, you know, stuff that's going to happen. So oh, it, was, it was a good issue all in all, I'd say. Okay, then Echo or Phoenix Song Echo issue one. I, I wasn't super crazy about this this issue. And I guess a weird thing, one weird thing that has nothing to do with this issue is the fact that Echo is the new Phoenix host. You know, and even just having that that whole Phoenix competition thing, I don't really know like what what was going on there. And because you know, it always feel, felt like it always seemed like the Phoenix host should be like a telepath. And, you know, you have everyone, you know, wanting to, you know, whatever, try, try to get the power, contain it, whatever. Now she's, Echo is, is trying to contain the power, but it is it is a lot for her to deal with. And, you know, she's kind of being a little jerky sometimes. But um, one thing that is annoying that, that happens here. So I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember now when Echo first came out, because she gets a call from Brew. And, and she's on the moon, so she's got, like, an awesome telephone that she has reception out there. And they're like, you know, something's happening. We need – there's a signature over here. And I was like, why are they calling her? It, is is Echo a mutant? I don't know if she was. Man, I mean, maybe she was. I, and I, I know I could easily look it up, but I, I didn't. And whatever. But basically, Forge has called her, and he, like – he's like you can't handle his power so he's kind of being like very jerky and arrogant and wants to hold her captive until they can figure things out and how to remove it from her and it's for the safety or he's doing this totally on his own so it's like he's being like a because at one point he's saying all this stuff and she's like are you mansplaining the phoenix power to me forge isn't like my apps isn't by far he's nowhere near like I, I can appreciate his character for you know stuff that he, he can accomplish maybe i'm still a little bitter the fact that his involvement when he made the gun that was supposed to strip mutant powers that was meant for rogue but then storm got hit so you know he caused storm to lose her powers which wasn't a horrible experience you know she you know it, it showed us that she could really kick butt like when she fought uh, or not really fought when she competed against Cyclops for leadership of X Men, and she kicked his butt without, even though she didn't have powers. But yeah, so he's in there, and then she finds she's trying to figure. She's like, I need to just talk to someone and and kind of deal with this. So I don't know. I mean, I'll read the next issue, but I I didn't love this one. 
Um, Star Wars High Republic issue 10. So I like this this one. So, you know, I think it was last week we had that other High Republic comic, and it was just hard for me to get into. This one's a little better. As I, I, was, I was reading this, I wonder how this is, because I've listened to two or three of the audio, I think it was, was it three? I think it was three of the High Republic audiobooks. So I, you know, I know about the Night Hill because Charles Soule wrote one of the books. And in this issue, a couple of the Jedi are going undercover, posing as a Night Hill. And the Night Hill are like these, this like bunch of space pirates, this whole like, um, I don't even know what you'd call this, uh, like a syndicate, whatever. And, you know, there, there's different like factions within, you know, the, like they, they, they kind of, follow different leaders within and you know like each sub leader has like their own faction that they command and they all report to like it was these street people but one of the things like in the book the one person is called the eye who has like all his power and, and can see like that whatever you know make all these but i i'm trying to think in this comic because when they just mentioned like oh i can't wait to meet the eye or do whatever or what's the eye you know they say something but it's like, was there any mention of the Eye and the Nihil connection in this comic series? Because if you haven't read the books and you're just reading the comics, it might be like, what are you talking about? Who's that? So, um, but this was interesting is, you know, as, as they're posing under covers, like, are they going to be able to maintain their cover? So that, that was, was interesting. Thor issue 18. Um, yeah. So last issue we found out, I think I mentioned it. I don't know if I did because it was like a last page thing. Someone stole Mjolnir, and you know because Thor is having trouble with it, so he left it with the and Avengers care because it'd be safe there. And then Captain America's like, "Hey, dude, uh, no idea how someone stole Mjolnir. It's gone, and you know none of our alarms went off and all that. So he doesn't know where it's at. He's trying to figure it out, and he actually goes to Loki for help. And Loki's like, "No." It's like, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, he's like, you need a spy. He's like, I'm not a spy. I'm a king now. And he's like, last time I helped you, you know, against da- evil Don- Donald Blake, things didn't go well. So Thor, uh, I think it was like, might have been Loki's idea, whatever. Th- Thor goes to Throg to get some help. And he, where the, with Throg's involvement, and, you know, he's like, I need a team to, you know, do all this stuff. It almost feels like it's it's kind of getting a little a little comical in a way, and I don't know. Even the way Throg appears sometimes, it's it's almost a little too cartoony. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I like Throg. I, I I can appreciate how goofy he is, and the fact that he is a cool character can be a cool character. Thank goodness he did not die against Donald Blake. It looked like he wasn't going to survive, but we'll, we'll see what happens here. I just. I mean, it's if it's Donnie Kate's writing, it, it should be good. But I just hope it's not like, hey, people, you know, like the novelty of Throg. People, you know, think he's he's a goofy character. There's like the nostalgia factor. So let's just do this fun, wacky story with him. I mean, that's not what Donnie Kate's does. So I'm assuming there's going to be more to it than that. United States of Captain America, issue five. So this is, I believe, the last issue. And yeah, it was fine. I, I don't know. I, I, it just... So something was off a little bit throughout the whole thing. It was cool seeing all the different, like, you know, Sam Wilson and Bucky and even, you know, John Walker, U.S. agent. You know, it's cool having them all here. And then all these other Captain Americas, that was okay. It just it just seemed a bit much to me. So I don't know if we're going to start seeing these other characters pop up. 
I just I didn't really care for them. There's some benefits to having them, and and I think this made the news too. Like you know, some of these characters, someone was saying something about these characters, and the new cap. It's like they're not Captain Americas. They are, but they're not. So whatever. Um, and then X Men Trial Magneto. This is just this was kind of a weird issue. Felt a little different than the other ones. I guess we can say. Um, I mean, it's in the previews. Scarlet Witch is back, and it's like, wait, huh? How? Because you know she was murdered. They don't know how she was murdered. Magneto's a suspect because he was like the last one with her, and you know there's some other suspicious stuff. But the but the mutants decided, yeah, we're not going to resurrect her. They voted against it just because of her past crimes and everything, and just a threat that she poses and and stuff like that. Uh, but then she's back, so they're not really sure how she came. In. Did someone like resurrect her, even though they voted against it? And then you find out that she kind of doesn't have the full memories. So if she was resurrected, you know, maybe they just didn't have a complete backup because basically Cerebro, I think it's like every couple days or whatever, Cerebro is is copying everyone's consciousness. And then that is what's being put into the new bodies when someone is resurrected. So if someone gets killed and, and on the mission, they might have a like a, a day or two, they might have a gap from whenever their mind was backed up. So it's just weird that the whole thing is like all these characters getting killed and it's it's not really them because they're, they're not the real characters. It's not like they're continuing. I, I don't see how they're, they're saying this. Like so many major characters are, are killed and it's kind of, I mean, they're not necessarily cloned, but I don't. Anyways, that's besides the point. So what's the deal with with, with uh, this Wanda, and and then these like kaiju start attacking? So is there a connection with that? I I don't know don't know where this is going, and it just feels like it's kind of going in a different direction than what how it started. That there's like something else going on. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. <laughs> and and um, that that's it for this week. That's gonna be comics for the week. All right, Why the Last Man, Season 1, Episode 8, Ready, Aim, Fire. So as I mentioned before, the show is apparently canceled. It's so annoying. And it, it's like, I, I honestly debate it. It's like, should I should I watch it and talk about it on the podcast? Because, I mean, I could do without having to watch it and, you know, just whatever. Not that I don't want to watch it. I mean, what I mean by that is like watching it, paying attention, you know, make, taking notes, mental notes or whatever, so I can discuss the points and, you know. But maybe it'll get picked up. Who knows? And, and, and the thing is, it's I like the show. I enjoy it. So, you know, I do want to talk about it. But it's just, yeah, so whatever. whatever. You know, I already, already went over this. So uh, it starts off. We see this lady, um, Kate. She's out past the perimeter, and Roxanne's. You know, so Roxanne's like the kind of leader lady at the the Costco whatever store, and she tells her she's like, you know, I can't protect you if you go past the perimeter or whatever. And Kate's like really on edge. She's like, I just want to leave, and and she's like, I won't tell anyone. And and Roxanne pulls out her gun, and then then she starts as soon as uh, like a Kate this Kate lady sees it, she starts running, and Roxanne shoots her, and then. Um, then she comes back and 
into the store and she tells everyone's like get into attack positions so she's clearly lying she's trying to say that like someone's attacking him and she'll probably say that like someone killed kate but it was really her so then we they're, they're doing some target practice and heroes like shooting alongside the others or shooting like mannequins and that roxanne's impressed with how how she's doing and then you know she she's saying all this stuff like you know men have told them what their bodies are to be used for. He's like, but what if your bodies belong to you? You know, said she says that you know they're stronger than they were before. Hero tries getting Sam to shoot, but he, he's just like not. And Roxanne comes up. He's like, well, I'm not really a gun guy. And she's like, what did you do before? He's like, I worked in the theater. And she's like, was that fun? And you know, so it's it's like she's trying to say you know trying to get people to protect themselves instead of relying on others. So she's kind of like dismissing him talking down to him but it's, he's just like that's not my thing it kind of makes sense in a way where it's like yeah you need to be able to protect yourself but she's getting you know pretty pretty extreme hardcore about it then Nora's talking to this other lady and you know she sees max really happy you know she's playing with her friends and everything like that and this other lady she's like well you know what are you going to do and Nora's like well you know i, I thought I, I was gonna stay and then this lady's like oh i thought roxanne talked to you and she's like, oh. So then she goes to um, Nora goes to talk to her like very angrily, and she's then she's like, you know, I'll do what, whatever you want and everything like that. And Roxanne's like, I'm sure you'll find a group where you fit in. And Nora's like, what? You know, you don't you don't like me because I like my husband, or I'm not 22. And you know, Nora's like, you know, we'll die out there. And Roxanne's like, oh, give yourself some credit. You know, you made it this far. Then we get a flashback, which is kind of interesting. So we see Roxanne bust like kind of bust into a house in her like she's wearing like a suit and she's like police and you know she's got a gun out and she orders like you know make yourselves known if you don't want to be shot and everything and there's a bunch of ladies in there and then she's like did you see the shooter or whatever and roxanne's like you know we can't stay here so this is the house where hero and sam were that was like somehow some sort of like woman's shelter or something like that like a halfway house so roxanne's like you know we can't stay here it's not safe and then she ends up taking them to like the costco supermax or whatever the store is called and she tells him that she was a detective. She was on homicide for 11 years. And this is where you find out that the house was, you know, a group home for domestic violence. She realizes that they don't trust cops and everything. And, you know, she keeps talking about them and, or talking to them. And she's like, well, you know, what happened to your counselor? And they're like, the you know, counselor left in the middle of the night. You know, Roxanne's like, your house isn't safe. And, you know, it, there's only like one road in and there's woods around it. So, you know, she invited them, you know, stay with her or whatever. So then in the present, Roxanne's talking to everyone about how there, I think she said there was like only one other woman on the force and everything like that. Then, you know, she's talking about stuff, stuff. Then she tries getting Hero to talk about like whatever. And she's like, I, you know, I don't really have anything to say. So she asked her about her dad and how her dad treated her and stuff like that. And she's, you know, Hero says she had a brother. She's like, you know, her parents were harder on her. But then she kind of makes it, she's like, yeah, but I was also a lot harder to deal with. And, you know, she's like, I was a jerk. I had a temper. And so I think Roxanne is like, so your brother was perfect? She's like, no, he was kind of a mess too. And, you know, then she's like, can we can we just move on or whatever? And But Roxanne keeps, keeps pushing. And, you know, she's like saying stuff about like her brother. She's like, well, you know, my brother was the only person in my family who ever, like who even remotely understood me. And Roxanne just keeps pushing everything like that. And she's like, well, I wonder what he said about you when you weren't in the room. It's like, you know, did, did he stand up for you? And she's like, well, he didn't really like the fight or whatever. And Roxanne's like, oh, so, you know, maybe he was okay with, you know, you struggling with your parents and, and everything, you know, them being hard on you. And, you know, he didn't have to do anything. It's just like Roxanne's just really like pushing and just this whole like agenda, this like anti-men thing. And, you know, the men are all dead. So it's like, it doesn't matter, but... 
She's just like really like like pushing everyone. Nora then talks to Sam, so you know she wants to go to the Pentagon, and she's like, you know, they'd they'd let us in, you know, if we were with Hero. And Sam's like, well, it's not up to me. And she asks, it's like, is it because who I used to work for work for? Because you know she worked for the president who was because there was like some bill about like transgender. He signed a bill against transgender playing sports, you know, with other whatever. And she's like, that wasn't for me. She's like, I, you know, I, I didn't care about that. I was just like working for her. And he's like, it's not all about being a trans. He's like, I, I just don't trust you. And then, you know, and he's just like, whatever. He's like, fed up with it. And he's like, I didn't play sports too. He's like, you should know that. So then Sam goes inside, talks to Hero. And he's like, you know, I found a map. There's this one, you know, like lake resort thing or whatever close by. He's like, you know, maybe we could start our own thing. You know, like you know, people like us and not so many guns. And she's like, well, you know, it's not so bad. And he's like going on. She's like, you know, I'm just tired. She's like, I don't really want to argue about this. And he's like, it's like, yeah, you know, being in a cult is exhausting. And he's like, do you realize that it's not easy here for me? And she's like, it's because you're fighting it. He's like, they keep talking about how terrible men are. And she's like, yeah, but everyone likes you. And he's like, well, which is it? Do they like me or, you know, am I an evil rapist or serial killer? He's like, it's confusing. He's like, you know, one minute Kelsey's all over me and the next she can't even look at me. And then Hero's like, oh, Kelsey, huh? And so it's like she's getting like jealous or whatever. And he like tries starting over. He's like, you know, a cop playing a therapist and trying to get you to hate your dead brother. And Hero's like, she's not wrong. And then she's like, you know, why don't you just make the most of it here? It's like, screw Kelsey if it'll cheer you up. You know, she's better for you anyways. You know, she's sweet and a little bit dumb. And he's like, better than what? Than you? And he's like, you know that as soon as you, as you got me or I got you alone, it's like the, the clock would be ticking. It'd only be a matter of time until I was on a discard pile with, with the rest of them. And she's like, all the rest of them? And there's like this pause and everything. And she's like, just say you don't want me because you think I'm a whore. And he, he like, he's like, I don't think that. And she's like, well, yeah, whatever. And then he, he's like, I'm not the voice in your head. And she asks, you know, why don't you just go with those guys of Vermont? And he's like, you know why? And he's like, you know, starting to get louder and everything like that. And Roxanne's like in another room and now she's starting to listen. And he's like, you're my family. He's like, you know, you're all I have. And she's like, he's like, just, just come with me. And then now other people are listening too. And she's like, you know, you could just stay here and, you know, you could have me or whatever. And Roxanne comes out and she's like, you know, that's enough. And he's like, I'm talking to my friend. And then Roxanne's like, you need to apologize to Hero. And he's like, he's like, yeah. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. He's like, this place is effed up. And Hero's like, like, no, it's fine, everything like that. And Roxanne's, you know, she's just like not really happy. And she's like, okay. So things are getting tense. At night, Sam's getting ready to leave. Roxanne walks in and she's like, oh, I, I knew you were stealing. You know, I just didn't know where you were hiding it. And he's like, it's just for me, just for a couple days. And she's like, he's like, yeah, you better get going. She'll be awake soon. And then Sam's like, you know, before he leaves, like, she's a good person. And Roxanne's like, yeah, I know she is. And she's like, we'll take care of her. And then Roxanne's like, you know, she's not your problem anymore. So I'm just like, oh, man, is she going to, like, shoot him or do something? Roxanne, um... Uh, we see her in a flashback. She's like dragging and like a, like a body onto like a tarp. There's like a bunch of bodies on this tarp and she's like trying to burn them with like lighter fluid or something like that, but it doesn't really work. It's like out in a parking lot. So then she uh, sees this like cop car with a dead police officer inside. And then there's like this horse by the fence and she tries going up to it. She follows the horse to the woman's shelter 
and she sees them outside and you know they're all happy like oh you know the horse came back she came back or whatever and uh and she doesn't look too happy about that but she it's weird because it's almost like she just she look clearly looks different like like uh, in a flashback um like it's almost like she looks older when in a flashback then which doesn't make sense whatever so then uh hero is is like upset the next day because you know she found out sam left and she's kind of like like packing up his sleeping area and you know she's got tears and and roxanne's like oh you don't have to do that and you know, then uh, she's like, yeah, Kelsey saw that he was stealing and stashing stuff for a while. And she's like, you know, I don't think he's coming back. And Roxanne hugs her and, you know, says, that, you know, he doesn't deserve you. And she says that, you know, she's like, my husband left me too. You know, he was a big a-hole. And she's like, you know, men aren't good at staying. And she says that she has, you know, just a thing to, to, to cheer her up. So they, they walk her out or she walks her outside and her eyes are covered and then there's like a little fire going, like with some pallets and stuff like that. And it's supposed to be like a, a better off without them party. Roxanne has hero, like she has like, I think it was like Sam's hat or like a knit hat or something like that. She was like to throw something in a fire because, you know, other people like throw stuff like that. And, you know, they're just kind of cheering. So hero throws a hat and she screams. The others are cheering. And later they're all like kind of like drinking and, and dancing around the fire and stuff like that. At one point, it's like some of the women start kind of like like kissing on her as they're moving about, and I don't know if they've been drinking a lot or whatever, but it's just like all this love and happiness and bonding, I guess, supposed to be whatever. Nora's uh, watching another area where Mac is dancing and playing with some other kids, not the same type of dancing, and she tells Mac that she's, you know, she talks to her, she's like, you know, I was thinking we can go back home, and Mac's like, there's nothing there, and she's like, did you do something? She's like, are they making you leave? And and Nora's like no, and she's like I know they don't like you. She's like I have friends here, and she's like Dad would have let me stay. And and Nora's like well Dad's not here. You're stuck with me. And then and Mac just gets mad and walks away. And she's like oh jeez. So then uh, Nora is walking by. Everyone's like now sleeping and passed out after the, the fire and drinking and whatever. At one point it's kind of weird because like Roxanne's like laying on this couch or something like that, and she gets like right in her face, like practically on top of her and. And nothing, I was like, oh, crap, she's going to wake up and she's going to do something, kill her, do whatever. But nothing happens. So then Nora goes outside and, you know, she's drinking a little bit. The, the fire's still going. And she finds some lighter fluid. I'm like, at first I thought it was like plumber's like liquid or something. I was like, is she going to poison someone, make them drink it or something? But then it's like, no, she starts to trail a fire like into the store. And then she kicks like a spark from the fire onto it and goes, whoosh. So everyone wakes up. They're trying to get out. There's like smoke and flames everywhere. And, you know, Roxanne comes like, everyone okay? You know, all this stuff like that. Then it cuts to a flashback. Roxanne, she's trying to drive the cop car into a lake. And it doesn't go all the way in. We're like, but it's like, why is she, she trying to do this? Then she's like like cursing. And she, you know, starts like hitting the car on, like on the top, you know, with like a, a metal bar or something like that. Then she starts setting, um, setting the store up. She's like moving the semi trucks to set up like a perimeter around the entrance. And um, then we see her laying out in a field outside the women's shelter and she has a suit on and a badge. And then she, sh so, so what it comes down to, she wasn't really a cop. And we'll, we'll find out more in a bit, but you know, she, she wasn't a cop here. So she shoots a couple times into the air, woman to scream. And then that's when she goes into the house claiming to be the police that you know, we saw earlier. Sam ends up at like some abandoned school and you know he's just like walking around looking it's almost like an elementary school maybe or something like that 
and he starts playing the piano because there's like this like nice piano in this room and this old lady's like yeah and he's like he's like what are you doing here whatever she's like well i'm the prince i'm miss whatever she's like i'm the principal and he's like and you're still here and she's like well one day the children will be back and then she's like you know what did you do before play music and he's like no he's like i you know i did performance art whatever and and she's like you know it's music to my ears type of thing and, she, and i don't i don't remember if he told her name but then she's like play it again sam which whatever and then then he's like starts he's like what am i doing or something like that which i don't know know what his problem was whatever nora's um walking around as as you know everyone's trying to figure out what happened to the store you know some people are doing inventory to water others are arguing over who was supposed to put out the fire and everything like that then then she, uh Norse sits next to hero and you know Norse starts talking about she's like you know me and my mom you know we you didn't get along either she's like i left home at 17 and then my mom died and we didn't get to talk and hero's like what are you talking about Norse's like well you know you can work things out with with your mom at the pentagon and hero's like i'm not going back there and she just like gets up. So Nora's, you know, she's just so desperate and everything like that. She's just, she's basically trying to use hero. You know, she's trying to say, it's like, oh yeah, you know, you can make, I know you don't get along with your mom, but you know, you can go back and, you know, patch things up. So then Nora's like down by the lake and everything like that. So she has this, this hidden backpack with like food and there's a gun in the backpack. And she's like looking in there and then she sees like this big hawk or whatever, in the like the the lake the river whatever it's just like floating by like it's almost like the the lights from the top of a police car so like it, it must have broken off or something like that and it's just like floating down the river and then she walks down the edge and then she finds a car because it's still kind of like the back end sticking out you know roxanne wasn't able to, to get it any further and then she looks in and she sees you know that there's a cop in the passenger seat and it turns out there's the other bodies are jammed in the back so it's probably like the bodies that she tried burning, she just stu- shoved them in the back of the police car and she was going to dump them in the lake, but it didn't work. And then she pulls like a tag or she pulls something off of something, but we don't we don't see it just yet. So, so then um, in the fl- uh, flashback, Roxanne's looking at the mess in the store. You know, there's like like food and just garbage on the floor and someone runs in with a gun. So uh, it just looks very frantic. So Roxanne just like ducks. Then this other lady comes in with a shotgun. And she shoots a couple times, and you know she's she's looking for the other lady. So Roxanne stays hidden, and then we see the shotgun lady get shot, and Roxanne goes walks over to look at her. I'm like, what about the other lady? She's gonna shoot you. But then you see the other ladies laying there. So they both shot each other. So then she takes the uh, the lady's pistol, and this other lady walks in. So Roxanne just starts shooting her and hits her, and then she shoots her like over and over again, keeps shooting, and then later. Uh, this other lady comes in. She shoots her, and you can see she's more confident now. She like like shoots her, takes a swig, of, you know, from like a th- coffee thermos or something like that. Back in the present, Roxanne's cleaning some stuff up. Nora walks up to her, and she's like, "I used to work in politics," and you know, she's like, she says, "You have a communication problem." And Roxanne looks at her like, you know, she's like, "What? Whatever." She's like, "I'm tired. You know, whatever. You know, we, we can talk later." And Nora's like, "No, we're going to talk about it now." She starts talking about how Roxanne used the fact that, you know, they were scared, whatever. Then, you know, they had had to, she had the stuff that they wanted. Roxanne's like, she's like, I don't even know why you're still here. And Nora's like, you need me. And she's like, I can help you keep them together. She's like, you know, you're not as good of a liar as you think. She mentions that she's like, you know, I went for a walk by the river and Roxanne's like, you went out past the perimeter. And she, and she just keeps it. She's like, yeah, I found a police car. She shows her what she took, but we still don't see what it is. And she's like, in order to survive out there, you're going to need numbers. And you don't need the building, but to keep them, you're going to need more than just men suck. 
And Roxanne's like, and what are you going to get out of this? Nora's like, I'm in your inner circle now. You run things by me, and I want privileges. She's like, me and Mac, we eat first, and I get, you know, we we get first dibs on everything. And 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 she's like, you'll never talk about my husband or my son ever again. She says, or you know, you can go out there and tell them the truth about you know who you are, or go be the thing that you so desperately want to be. So then we see a flashback. So it turned out that Roxanne worked at the superstore. So she was complaining to the manager. So she was assistant manager, we find out. And she was complaining about some guy who's like drawing boobs in a bathroom or something like that. And he like grabbed some girl's butt. And so then he, uh, the manager calls him in. He's like, you know, you need to stop doing, you know, drawing pictures or whatever. And, and he's like, stop, whatever. And stop touching the other girl. And he's like, or I'm going to, you know, I'll take your shifts away. And he's like, okay. So then uh, she's like, that's it. And he's like, they, they, you know, what's the girl's name? She likes the attention. He's cause the guy's like, thir- he's like, he's a kid. She's like, he's 30. And then the other girl's like a teen. He's like, she likes the attention, but she's like 18 or whatever. And then he's like, well, you know, so-and-so said they saw you steal a law and order box set, you know, DVD box set. It was like season 10 or something like that. And she's like, I, I, and then she's like, it was in the bargain bin or whatever. Cause you know, she's been strapped for cash. You know, so I think something happened to her husband. He left her or whatever. And, then he's like, it's like, yeah, so, you know, I'm not going to, I should discipline you for this or whatever. And so then this is, again, where we see that she's assistant manager. So what Nora had found was her her name badge that said, like, her name, Roxanne, whatever, the assistant manager. So then um, Hero's sitting with Kelsey, and Kelsey's, like, reading her palm or whatever. And Roxanne and Nora come out. Roxanne talks to them and mentions that how she had cancer a bit ago. She lost a boob. Her husband left her and all this stuff. And she's like, have you ever heard of the Amazons? And one's like, yeah, from Wonder Woman. And she's like, no, the original. It's like they were fierce. There's warriors, whatever. They chopped off a boob so their arrows would shoot straighter. She's like, and we, we are warrior women. This is our world now. And the women are cheering and everything, all this stuff like that. Nora smiles and then uh, puts a name tag in her pocket. And, you know, she's like, look, gives the Roxanne like an approving look. And that's where the episode ends. So Nora finally got her wish or whatever. And so now she's helping to pull the strings behind the scenes or whatever. And I guess, you know, because and the thing is, yeah, I mean, you can't blame her. She's, she's looking out for a kid, but still, it's just a little annoying. And this episode, nothing about uh, York and 355, which I guess last episode, I don't think we had any of, you know, these these people. So. There you go. So that was uh, that was uh, the eighth episode. And was there 10 episodes left? So it's just, I hope it does get picked up. I hope, you know, because there's just so much more of the story to tell. And it's going to suck if it does get picked up. Okay, then we have Chucky Season 1, Episode 2, Give Me Something Good to Eat. So with this show, um, I, I, I do like the show. It's... I have some issues with the show. It, it, I, I hate to admit it. It does feel a little watered down in a bit, and I don't know if it's the fact that they're like middle school kids, or you know. So things seemed a little toned down, and I'm also wondering how far, you know. Not that I, would, I need a massive like body count or anything like that, but it's like how much can Chucky do? You know, how much can he? How much slaughter or carnage can he cause without people? you know, becoming curious because there's already some suspicious suspicion rising in this episode, which I'll talk about in just a, a few minutes. But yeah, so it's like, I don't know how long they could draw this out. So it, I'm really curious and I'm sure they have this, you know, the master plan all laid out, you know, they, the season's probably already done or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see. It starts off, I'll just jump into it, like a flashback. It's like Halloween 1965. 
and uh, Charles Lee Ray, he's like looking at his candy loot. You know, he went trick or treating. He's wearing a clown outfit, so it's almost kind of like Michael Myers, which is a, a kind of a nice like homage or callback or whatever. And then, uh, then there's an apple, and it's it's pretty. It's kind of weird because there's clearly a razor blade or something in there. It's like it's so obvious. It's sticking out, and he looks at it, and he kind of touches the, the the sharpness, whatever, with his finger, and it, it starts bleeding. And then, then he's like looking at apple. He opens his mouth like he's gonna take a bite out of it. I'm like, what are you doing? And then you know, then he stops. Then he opens his mouth up again, and he just smiles as his mouth's bleeding. So it's like, okay, this is telling us something about Charles Lee Ray as a kid. So then it cuts to the present. Devin uh, is talking on his podcast about Halloween, how violence usually spikes up in, in their town or whatever on, on this day. And and then we see Jake's in the backseat of the car with his uncle, aunt, and junior. And, you know, it's like, he's like, oh, seat's really hot because there's like seat warmers. He does he probably has no, never seen a seat warmer or been in a car with, you know, seat warmer and stuff like that. And then the dad's like getting on Junior's case about like protein consumption and everything before a big race. And so he's like really riding him hard, you know, to, to make sure he's just super athlete and all this stuff like that. And then they so they get dropped off at school and uncle's like, well, you know, if you need another, more time off, you can have it. And Junior or Jake's like, because you know, Junior gets out of the car right away. And Jake's like, no, it'd be good to get out of the house. And and he's like, oh, are you are you happy with us? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then as he's leaving, he's like, hey. And he like, you know, he's like, gives him some money. He's like, here, it's for lunch. And, you know, Bree, I, I don't know what the dad's name is. I, I should have looked it up, but I know that the, the aunt, her name is Bree. And, you know, she's like, oh, if only it was that easy. Because, you know, it's, it's like that's not going to solve all his problems, but whatever. He's uh, he's walking and some kid comes up to him. He's like, oh, you know, I'm really sorry for, you know, how I treated you before and, you know, anything I, I've said. And 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 then he's like, you know, I thought it was pretty funny what, what you said. I think this kid was Oliver. So I, I, he's like, I thought it was pretty funny what you said about Luxy during a talent show. So I think when he, when Chucky was talking about the pictures on Luxy's phone, and I thought that maybe she was talking about the dad, but I think she was talking about this guy. And like Chucky was insinuating that she has a bunch of pictures of him, whatever. And then he's like, you know, I'm having a party at my place tonight. You should come. So then Luxy, meanwhile, she's upset that Jake is back at school, that he didn't get suspended. And, you know, she's like, he would have been if his uncle didn't stick his finger in a toaster. And Junior's like, you know, it was actually kind of sad because, you know, he was a drunk, like waiting for an accident to happen. So even though Junior is kind of a jerk, you know, he's he's like, hey, you know, that's, you know, kind of a sad thing. Devin comes up to Jake in the hall. He's like, hey. And he's like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, about you know, what you're going through. And he's like, you know, my dad died when I was young. And, you know, he's like, I never would have gotten through it, you know, if it wasn't for my friends. And he's like, are you going to the party tonight? You know, are you bringing Chucky? It's like, you know, you really killed it the other night, whatever. So then at the house, at the, the big fancy house, the maid's uh, housekeeper is like vacuuming and she's in Jake's room. Chucky's just like sitting at a table. And then uh, she hears like some laughing or whatever, and, and a vase. There's like a it's, for some reason there's a vase in the room, and it, like it it breaks. It's like under the little end table thing that Chucky was sitting on. So uh, she puts the pieces in the garbage, and and she sees uh, Jake's journal, and she's about to open it, but she's like kind of like eye to eye with Chucky, and then so she like puts it back, and she's looking at at Chucky and there's like a little like drop of blood on his cheek. She's, you know, but she doesn't know what it is. So then she goes and gets some cleaner, like sprays him and just like wipes him down. And then she goes downstairs. So the knife drawer is open and then it turns out they're all like in a dishwasher. So the, the dishwasher is open and you see her like Chucky's like running behind her or, or 
actually we're assuming it's it's Chucky. I don't know if we actually see. Do we see Chucky? But who else could it be? He pushes her, and then she <laughs> gets stabbed in the face by the knives. So say what you know. We'll say what I will. Say what you will. Whatever. <laughs> there, she's killed. Dead. Knives in the face. And what's, what's kind of neat about the shot is, you know, you see like a blade, like, you know, it's a kind of close up of the face. And then the focus kind of shifts and you see like Chucky's, ref- no, you do see Chucky. Yeah, you see Chucky's reflection in the blade. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm talking about in a, in a bit. Cause, yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you what my confusion here, whatever. So Junior and Jake come home. And it, the weird thing is like Junior's trying to turn off the security code, but he can, and then Jake's like, oh, he changed the code. It's something, whatever. So it's like Junior didn't even know. As uh, Jake or as Junior, Jays are messing me up. As Junior's like, you know, about to walk in the kitchen, then you see Chucky goes up the stairs. So now they're in the kitchen and they don't see the housekeeper. She's still at the dishwasher. Cause like Jake's like, oh, do you want a popsicle? And then Junior's like, you gotta stop that. It's like, this is my house. If I want a popsicle, I'll get a popsicle. And he's like, stop trying so hard. It's just whatever, all this stuff like that. And then Jake sees, he's like, call 911. And Junior's like, what are you talking about? And he like kind of goes, so it's almost like Jake's going to look for Chucky. And then then a Junior sees the housekeeper there. So then we see a body bag taken out, Devin's mom, the detective, she's there. Bree's like upset, and she's like, "Oh, she was just like family." And uh, detective, she's like, "What was her address?" And so it's like uh, Bree and and the husband, the, the uncle, whatever, are there, so that they don't know what the address is. Like, I think it was on the south side or something like that. And the detective's like, "Well, what about next of kin?" The uncle, uh, he's like, "I don't think she had anyone besides us." And Bree's like, I th- "She had a brother, I think." So. As close, you know, as, as she was to them, they didn't know anything about her, which is kind of typical, I guess. So the detectives, like, you know, as they're talking about the 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 killing, the, the death or whatever, she's like, you know, it happens more often than people think. And there's this other detective. He's like, like, yeah, people put the blades up thinking it'll clear, it'll clean better, but that's just a fallacy. And then Devin's mom, so she's like, yeah, it just takes a little slip. And the other detectives, like, or it could take a little push. And she's like, mm, mm. and and he's like, well, what? This is the second freak accident in town in less than a week, and and he's like, and your nephew had a ringside seat. It's and Bree's like, the house cameras show that no one else was in the house. And then the detective's like, did did Jake have any issues with? I think the housekeeper's name was Annie, and they're like, he barely even knew her. And then they're like, well, what about Junior? And they're like, what? And they're like, well, we, we have to ask, whatever. And they're like, she practically raised him. You know, he's known, he, known her since she was a kid or whatever. So Jake goes in his room and Chucky's like sitting on the bed, like reading his journal. And Jake's like, what the F did you do? And Chucky's like, I didn't do it. He's like, I swear to God. He's like, you got to believe me. He's like, I'm your friend to the end. Jake just takes his journal. But well, so here's the thing, because Chucky is very adamant that he didn't do it. So now starting to think, it's like, maybe it wasn't Chucky, but it's like, who else could it be? Um, and, you know, he, he will say something here. Because then Chucky's like, you know, oh, writing isn't your thing. You should stick to sculpting. And he's like, you should just call it Devin, Devin, Devin. And then he's like, you know, I had a queer kid. And Jake's like, huh? And Chucky's like, yeah, gender fluid. And Jake's like, and you're, you're okay with it? And Chucky's like, I'm not a monster. He's like, you know, I only kill people who deserve it. And, you know, but so here's the thing. Is I was like, okay, um, Chucky had a kid. I don't know if I saw seed of chucky it's like what happened to chucky's kid and as i could have but no we did see it was chucky 
But then Chucky's like, he's like, you know, I could have killed anyone in this house the past week. He's like, even you. And he's like, I'm just trying to help you. And he's like, I didn't kill a damn housekeeper. He's like, I have my sights set on a bigger prize or whatever. He's like, some people just deserve to die. So he keeps saying he didn't do it. But if he didn't do it, I mean, it had to be in it because we see him. So unless there's another Chucky doll, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. And, and again, if it's his kid, I don't think his kid looks like him. But maybe I missed that movie. So Junior hears his parents, you know, he's like up on the landing and hears his parents talking about like Jake being traumatized and, and Bree's like, you know, we don't have a clue what's going on in his head. And then uh, Junior's dad, he's like, well, we could say the same thing about Junior. He's like, they're teenagers. And then Junior like turns around and Jake's there too. And so he's like hearing what they're saying. He goes in the bathroom, I think. And then Junior goes into Jake's room. He opens his laptop. And for some reason, it's still on. You know, it doesn't have to log in. But it's it's like on. There's a page like bunch of Lexi pictures. So it's kind of like a Facebook. It's not wasn't Facebook, but it was like some other thing. It wasn't Instagram, but I think it was like her account. And while he's doing, it's like Chucky's sitting there, like kind of watching him. His head moves a little bit. Jake walks in. He's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And Junior's like, "I could ask you the same thing." And he he's like, "Just stay away from her." And Jake's like, "I didn't do it." He's like, I didn't do that. So I don't know if it was like a bunch of pictures made, like a collage of pictures, or if it was him logged on there. So it wasn't really clear. So Junior leaves, you know, the door is closed. And then Junior hears Jake talking to Chucky. And he hears kind of like a thud. So it's like, did, did Chucky hit him or something? Then we see Lexi. She's in her living room. Her little sister is coloring a picture of Chucky that apparently she drew. It's like pretty good. It's better than I could do. Uh, mom is impressed, and they, which I did draw a picture of Chucky. <laughs> the sort of mom's very impressed, and they they ask her. She's like, "Do you remember his name?" And she's like, "Chucky," and from the, the talent show. And then dad's like, "Would you like to meet Chucky sometime?" And he's like, "You know, I'm sure your sister could arrange that." And she's like, "No." She's like, "What if he doesn't like me?" So it's almost like there's something a little off with with the sister, but it, they don't straight out say it unless I'm just oblivious. And, you know, Lexi's like, what are you talking about? And mom shows her the picture. And she's like, she has a gift. She's like, she's better at it than anything you've ever done with your life. And, you know, she's like, I'm just tired. And she's like, whatever. You know, that clearly clearly bothers her. She's like, I'm just tired of your attitude and stuff like that. The mom's like, you know, your sister adores you. And Lexi's like, she barely knows I exist, just like you guys. And then she's going to leave the room and go upstairs and put on her costume and for the party. And her mom's like, no, you're taking your sister trick-or-treating because I guess I think they're going like their own party, whatever. Because I, I think Lexi's mom is a mayor because I think at one point the dad says that he's the first husband or something like that of the town. So Devin's mom tells him about the housekeeper and, you know, Devin's like, oh, yeah, you know, she was really nice and she made really nice popsicles or whatever. And then, you know, he mentions he's going to party and she's like, oh, you're still going? He's like, yeah. And then she's like, is Jake going? And he's like, how would I know? And she asks, you know, she's like, I don't know, you know, and then she asks if, has Jake ever said anything about his father, you know, maybe because he was gay and Devin's like, uh, what are you talking about? You know? And so he's acting like he doesn't know anything about Jake, but then when she leaves and he like texts Jake, he's like, I'll see you later. Um, then later Jake, um, texts, he's like, I can't go to the party. And Devin's like, why? And he's like, like, you have to go like, please, you know, please go. So then we see juniors walking down in a, like a runner's costume and there's like some, you know, he's got some medals around his neck. Mom is she's like, oh, you're still going to the party? And he's like, yeah. And so he's wearing his dad's medals. And his dad's, he's like, oh, yeah, those look good on you. And then he's like, oh, my Uber's here. And he's like, well, what about Jake? So, you know, and Junior's just like kind of rolls his eye and goes outside. 
and then you know uh junior's dad calls jake he comes down and you can see he has like a slight black eye and Bree's like oh that's so real looking and she's like you know what are you dressed as and jake's like i'm a victim of circumstance so then he's like, oh, your Uber's here. But then it turned out the Uber left. He's like, oh, they left without you, whatever. And dad's like, well, I could give you a ride. And Jake's like, no, I changed my mind. He's like, I don't feel up to the party. And he goes upstairs. And then he curses. He, you hear him curse up there. He's like, where is he? He's like, the junior take, take him. They're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Chucky's gone. Then we see all these trick-or-treaters outside. <laughs> and this is kind of bad because like Chucky's wearing a Hello Kitty mask. But it's clearly someone dressed up as Chucky because you see him walking. And it's almost like he looks a little too tall for Chucky. Chucky's not that tall. Chucky's a big doll. But anyways, uh, Jake's running down the street trying to find him. Uh, Chucky goes up to this house, and he asks a lady. He's like, if you tell me what I need to know, I'll give you a treat. And she's like, what? And he's like, you know, where's the party? And then she's like, I don't know. She's like, oh, you know, there there might be one to who so-and-sos are having. They always have one. They're just a couple blocks over. And then he's like, oh, here you go. And he g- gives her an apple as a treat. So then it's like, uh, is there a razor blade in there? Is that because of what we saw at the beginning? At the party, Junior, he's like looking for Lexi and she's in this room smoking a joint. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, she offers some. He's like, oh, you know, I can. She's like, well, your dad's not here or whatever. And then he's like, you know, do me a favor. And he's like, you know, be careful with Jake. He has issues. And she's like, I'm not scared of him, but his creepy doll freaks me out. And Junior's like, yeah, me too. And then he's like, well, what are you supposed to be dressed as? Because he kept asking her, but, you know, she wanted to be a surprise. And she's like, because she has this, like, coat on. And then they, they, they start, like, making out. Okay, Jake arrives at the party. He, like, asks someone if they've seen Lexi or whatever. And one kid's like, where's Chucky or whatever? And then Devin comes up to him and says says hi to him. He tells Devin, he's like, oh, you know, you look great. And then, uh, but he's like, I have to find Lexi. And Devin's like, why? Jake, I keep wanting to call Jake Andy because I'm thinking of Andy from from Real Child's Play. Then uh, Jake finds Oliver. I think he's like the kid that lives there, and then he's like, "Oh, she's in in this room." You know, points to a door. He's like, "She's in there." So he opens a door, and Andy or Andy Jake goes in there, and then uh, the, Oliver shoves Devin in after him, and closes the door. It says like hell in there, and, and then yell out seven minutes in hell, and the kids start start chanting hell, 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 hell. So I guess this would be like seven minutes in heaven. And I, 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 is, is that a middle school thing that they do? I, I don't know. So they're basically in, in this closet in, in the dark. And okay. <laughs> so Chucky is actually playing a violent video game with Lexi's sister. And so uh, I guess Lexi, you know, she's supposed to take her, her sister trick-or-treating, but she wanted to go to the party. I feel like there's this like jump here. So she must have taken her sister there, and her sister's playing. And then Chucky somehow arrives there and walks past everyone and just finds Lexi's sister or whatever. And he's, like, saying they're, they're playing the game, and, and, you know, she knows it's not – killing isn't good, but he's like, oh, you, you know, you can kill everyone. And he's like, you can kill the housekeeper or anyone, even your sister. And But it's like he said he didn't kill the housekeeper, whatever. Uh, Junior and Lexi are still kissing, and then she stops. She's like, you're not doing it right. And Junior's like, I haven't done anything yet. And she's like, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> so, but then somehow Chucky's under the bed now with a knife. So it's like, how did he get up there? It's like, are there two Chuckies? Because he's under the knife, under a bed with a knife. And he tries stabbing like through the bed. But then they like roll over and stuff like that. He keeps stabbing and it's like just narrowly missing and stuff like that. 
And then this like girl walks in and it's Chucky stabs again. They both like sit up, whatever. And she's like, what are you doing in here? And Lexi's like, absolutely nothing. Gets up and leaves. And like Junior's just like, Ugh. but it's like, who is this girl? Because <sighs> it's, if it's Oliver's house, I don't know. It didn't look like she lived there. Devin asks, is in the closet. Devin asks Jake, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, you wouldn't believe me, you know, whatever. And then uh, the, the door opens and they're calling him like kissy lovebirds and all this stuff. Everyone, then they, they all rush into the other room. And we see a girl is dressed as Jake's dad in like a mechanic overalls, you know, with like hair and like a little, little fake goatee and acting like, like, you know, she's getting electrocuted. At first I'm like, who is this kid? And it turns out this is Lexi. So this is why this would be like a big surprise. She wouldn't say anyone. So kids are, are laughing at her and she's just like sitting there. They're all like standing around her and she's just like kind of moving around like she's getting you know shocked and stuff like that. So Jake is upset. Junior comes out and sees this and you can see he's not really happy either because, you know, he may have may have looked down upon Jake and his dad, but it was still his uncle. And, you know, this is still not cool. Lexi sees Jake and kind of like pauses, but then keeps going and everything like that. And then Devin asks Jake, like, what's wrong? And he's like, she's my dad. And Jake's about to leave. You know, he's outside. And then, you know, I think Devin goes with him. And, and then he's like, well, I'm, she's not going to get away with this. And he, he turns around. So Devin's mom talks to the lady that gave Chucky some candy. They got the apple her mouth's like she's got she bit into the apple apparently because she's like it was a and she you can barely understand her because her mouth's like whatever all bloody and, and her, she said it was a redheaded child who gave her the apple she just describes the costume as a hello kitty mask tennis shoes and denim overalls with something stitched on them and she's like wait do you remember what it said because it, it was she's like and she finally remembers this good guy and uh devin's mom saw the chucky doll at at the talent show Lexi wants to leave the party. She tries getting her sister to leave, but she says that she has a new friend. Jake sees her, and then Chucky is behind her and pulls out the knife. And then Jake's like, no, and he grabs Chucky. Junior and Devin come in as Jake runs off. It's back at the house. Chucky asks Jake how he's doing, and he, he's because he says he's sorry about the eye, cause, so he did punch or slap Chuck or Ch Chucky did slap Jake in the eye and gave him the black eye. And he's like, I, oh, I promise I'll never do it again. And Jake's like, yeah, I heard that before. Cause probably from his dad. Then Chucky says, he's like, that was some party. And Jake's like, it sucked. And Chucky says, you know, he's like, like I said before, some people deserve to die. And he's like, it's a bad world out there. Kill or be killed. You have to make a choice. And he's like, kill the bitch before she kills you. He's like, man, the F up. Then, you know, it's, he's like, they all laugh. It was just like Lexi wanted. They laughed at, at Jake and he's like I'm you know the only friend you have in the whole world and Jake sits next to him he's like take the knife Jake you know you want to he's like take it and so Jake takes the knife he's like congrats kids you're going to the Super Bowl <laughs> that's where it ends so Chucky's trying to turn Jake into like a, a killer which I, I guess it kind of makes sense but it's still the whole thing is like why is he saying I didn't kill the housekeeper and all that uh, after the episode, there there was kind of like a behind the scenes um, little little thing. It was kind of cool seeing just uh, again like how you know the, the animatronics of like Chucky and everything like that, and just all, what they go through, and and you hear from like the, the the kid actors and you know their reactions stuff like that. So while my my concern my issues with the show is like how these kids are a little young and you know that kind of tones things down a little bit. They're okay. They're they're fine. 
the main thing that's going to be is we have two killings and if someone else dies, like if Lexi does die, that's too close to, to Jake and it's, it's going to become obvious. So I just wonder how it's going to be, you know, like, is there going to be a, a, a death? Not that we need a death every week or anything like that, but it's like, I don't, I'm just curious how, what the pacing of the show is going to be like. But like, like I think as, as I mentioned last week, that's part of the nature of the show and I'm sure they have it all mapped out. So it, it should be fine. Okay. Stargirl, Season 2, Episode 11. So, so I almost forgot to talk about this episode. So it might sound a little different because I had to do some editing magic. So here, uh, Summer School, Chapter 11. Beth, Mike, and Barbara are sitting around. Pat walks in. He's like emotionless. Uh, Jenny's behind him with the staff. Barbara starts crying, and then they all hug. Mike joins in and everything like that. Uh, then Beth's... <laughs> it was kind of a little awkward, but then Beth like starts crying on Jenny's shoulder. Then it's black and white. Courtney wakes up on the ground. She's like out on the street by the bell tower building. She looks at her hand. You know, she sees black and white. This priest walks up to her. He's like, afternoon, young lady. Just keeps walking. There are other people walking on the sidewalks. There's like all these people here. She keeps walking around. She ends up outside the diner. She goes inside and people kind of look at her. And this one dude is like, hi there. You must be new. He's like, my name's William Zarek. So we should know who he is. He introduces himself, whatever. He says he's a changed man since he's arrived. His wife and kid are happy. You know, he, he was a councilman. Now he's running for mayor. So he like says, here's my kid. He's going to be a magician. So that was her friend. The dad, so like, why don't you show her a trick? And he's like, pick a card. So, you know, this is, and then she gets that. They, they show us a memory flashback when, when he did this before. And she's like, Joey? Then he, you know, so he, she's going to do the card. Then he's like, he asks her, are you going to lie to me again? He's like, I know I messed up the trick because she acted like it was, he picked the right card in, in the first season. He's like, I'm never going to be a magician. Courtney like flips a card and you know, she looks at it and like his face is on it. So she drops it. Everyone in the diner starts walking towards her and then she ends up at the school somehow. And she sees like the principal, principal Bowen, who's, who's dead. And Isaac, who uh, I guess is dead now, or is, is he dead? Yeah. And then uh, someone grabs her and throws her down the hall, and it's Cindy. So she pops out a wrist blade. Courtney grabs a mop near her. They start fighting. Courtney um, gets cut on the arm, and, and her blood is in color, and Cindy stops. She's like, you're really here. And she's like, the people here don't bleed. And Courtney's like, what are you talking about? She's like, where are we? And then Cindy's dad appears down the hall. He starts talking. He's like, you're my greatest experiment. My work's not yet complete. And another door opens with a bright light. Cindy's like, I'm not doing this again. And she pushes Courtney through the door. Courtney lands in a, a room. I, I don't know if it's Cindy's bedroom. There's like ponies and unicorns and, and p pictures and stuff like on the wall. Cindy asks her, it's like, how did you get here? And Courtney's like, where is here? And Cindy's like, this is where Eclipso was born. And, you know, Eclipso was born. She's like, Eclipso was born in a little girl's bedroom. Cindy's like, it's called a Shadowland nitwit. <laughs> it's like, who uses nitwit? Uh, a void uh, created by the darkness inside humanity. That's where they're at. So the Shadowlands gave him life. It's purgatory. It shows you things. Sometimes it's fun. She's like, I killed my father and, and Courtney. And Courtney's like, oh, that's psychotic. And she's like, you know, how do you get out of here? And Cindy's like, you can't. And Courtney's like, of course you've given up. And she's like, well, yeah, she's like, I'm going home. She goes in another room and it's like Christmas when she was a little girl. Her mom shows up saying that, you know, she has to work on Christmas Eve. And so um, then Courtney's there and she treats her like a babysitter. And she can see there's like overdue bills on the floor. Then she 
she's like, I have a business degree, but then I got pregnant. And she's like, my daughter ended all my dreams. And she's like, every day I go through hell for her. She's like, I could have had a better life. And then a door opens behind her and Cindy pulls her out back into the bedroom. Courtney's like, how did the doors work? And Cindy says that sometimes you end up in a place that means something. Sometimes you don't. Courtney's like, well, I'll find a way out. And Cindy's like, well, you know, you better because you'll never survive here. You're too good. And, and, you know, she's like, the world isn't just black and white. There's darkness in everyone, even in, in Courtney. So what she figured out is the people that Eclipsos sends there are people who got lost in despair. So their souls are eventually torn apart by their nightmares. Cindy says it's Courtney's fault that she's there. She's like, I was, you know, trying to save you. And Cindy's like, she's like, well, you started all this. And then Courtney's like, well, you started this by trying to impress your dad. And, and then you killed him. And she yells, she's like, well, I'm not afraid of my dad. She's like, bring him on. And then this woman voice she calls Cindy and it's her mom. And she's like, please don't hurt me again. And Cindy tells her, she's like, oh, go away. Then Cindy gets grabbed by two hooded guys. Cindy, or I mean, Courtney runs after them. And she's outside. It's like windy and shadowy. This figure like walks up to her. She ends up at the JSA headquarters and Dr. Midnight is there. So he knows who she is. And she's like, well, how do I know you're really him? And he's like, well, I've been talking to your friend Beth. And, you know, she told him about her or whatever. She says that, you know, nothing here is real. And he's like, that's true. It's mostly an illusion. So he pulled her from the truth. So, you know, they were like in the Shadowland or whatever. It's, it's in its pure, unadulterated form or something like that. So he's been living there for years. The goggles help him see the truth and it's been keeping him alive. So he takes off the goggles and hands them to her, but he keeps his eyes shut. And he's like, put them on quickly. And she's like, how can, and she puts on, she's like, how can he stand to see that all the time? And he says that when he takes them off, all he hears is his daughter. And Eclipso feeds off negativity and darkness. So he tries to get people, or Eclipso tries to get people to fall into despair or rage. And so he's like, you know, hold on to the light inside you. He's like, turn away from darkness or you'll be consumed. Beth is looking at uh, Courtney's pictures on a wall. Jenny comes in and Beth says that, you know, her goggles are filled with tears, but she's afraid to take them off. And Jenny's like, says that, you know, she wasn't afraid the ring would have saved Courtney from Eclipso. And so it's, it's her fault again. Then Dr. McNider calls Beth and she's like, what? So Beth and, and Jenny tell Barbara, Pat, Mike that Courtney's still alive in the Shadowlands with Dr. McNider. And Mike asks, he's like, what if this is another trick? So McNider thinks that Shade can open the way back to the Shadowlands. Jenny's ring could find him if there's a way to, to track him. So it's kind of like a dog with a scent or something like that. So Barbara hands, you know, she has a business card. She hands it. Jenny tries concentrating and she's like, you know, I can't always control the fire. So, you know, she has to find the Shade, find Courtney. The light starts expanding. Then a map of the city forms and a, this black cloud rises. But then there's like two different locations. So they're like, how can you know he be in two places? So Courtney asked how Dr. Midnight didn't lose his mind there. And he says that time passes differently. He also managed to hack into the real world and he catches the news every once in a while. So she asked, well, how can we get the shade to help? You know, why would he? And he, uh, Midnight's like, well, he's complicated. So after his daughter died, he found a shade in his kitchen one night, um, drinking like abstinence or whatever. So he, or he had a bottle of it. He's like, he'd drunk half of it already. And he said that he'd known about Eclipse before and did nothing. And it bothered him. So he blamed himself, but McNider like dismissed a notion. Then he asked about Rebecca and, you know, they finished the bottle and then he left. So the shade wasn't like the, the other members of the ISA. And when he sent him there, it wasn't punishment. He was trying to save him from the ISA. So he thinks that he considers him a friend and there's a chance that he might help them. 
So Pat and Barbara go to one of the spots, which is at the theater. They find a shade watching a movie. And Pat says that, like, you know, he didn't get far. Shade says that the healing process halted when Eclipso destroyed a diamond. Barbara says that, you know, he used her daughter and Shade's like, well, it wasn't personal. And Pat says, well, they know that he can access the Shadowland. Dr. Midnight said that. And Shade's like, like, yeah, when did he say that? And Pat's like, tonight. And then he's like, what? Pat's like, he's alive. You know, he's like, you know, but then he, you know, he put him in the Shadowlands. And he's like, my God, if I'd known he was alive. And Pat says like, well, you didn't bother looking. Barbara's like, well, you know, she's like, I only care about my daughter. She's like, if you don't do something... And Shade's like, like, no, Barbara, no threats. She's like, make no mistake. I still have enough power to kill you both. And she says, then kill me because I don't want to live without my daughter. And she's like, you know, please bring her home. Shade gets up. He like looks in her eyes. He's like, oh, damnation. You know, you really do remind me of my sister. So then he like reaches like up to like the film light, the projector. And she's like standing there. Pat's car in the Shadowland starts up. And then they can see the room on the screen. Courtney can see them in a theater and then shade says to walk to the light and then she stops dr midnight's like what is it and she's like cindy's still here and midnight's says like well um I, I think you'd better hurry courtney's like i'll be right back and barbara's like like no come back and and then she's like she says take me to cindy and she walks through a door she's alone now dr midnight isn't he isn't with her and she finds yolanda sitting on a bed and the creepy kid eclipso's there and he he says hi and asks if she wants to play a game then we see Cindy's dad. He's filling a syringe with some liquid. Cindy's like strapped to a table. And he says that it's time for her to be more like him. Uh, and her mom and, and like little Cindy are there too. The creepy kid says to Courtney, he's like, let's play. Whose life did you ruin? And Courtney's like, this, you know, is like, you're, this isn't real. And he says it is. And she says, well, I'm not doing this. And she tries finding Cindy again. So now she's outside Rick's cell. The creepy kid says, Rick's a monster. And she tries finding Cindy again, and she's at her house. The kid says, you can't escape. He, so he says that he's already tortured her friends and family. You know, there's no escape. Then he says that he likes her locket, and he asks who gave it to her. So the shade's, like, struggling to keep the light open. He's standing there. The kid says, uh, the creepy kid says, he knows who gave it to her. He's like, his picture's inside. It's, it's her, your dad. And so he gave it to her. She pulls a locket, and she drops it. And she says that she's over him. And the kid's like, no. It's like inside, it's festering hate after everything he's done. You know, her family, her friends, you know, they'll never be the same. Then he asks, you know, how does she feel about him? And she thinks and she whispers, she's like, I hate you. And then he smiles and disappears. So Courtney arrives in Cindy's dad's um, lab, whatever. And uh, he's like, one more procedure and she'll become the Dragon Queen. So he pulls out a sword and McKnighter arrives and says to ignore him. You know, ignore him and he has no power. So the sword goes like right through her. Courtney tries getting Cindy to go. Then she sees her younger self after she accidentally killed her mom. And Cindy's like, I'm sorry. And her mom's like, I loved you. I still do. Courtney's like, it's not real. And Cindy's like, well, shut up, please. And Courtney's like, I found a way out. We have to go. So the shade's still holding the light. It's like flickering. Then the three arrive at the Justice Society headquarters and they start running. Courtney walks through the wall, light thing, whatever, and comes through to the screen. She's in color, hugs all around. Pat goes to the screen, catches Dr. Midnight, you know, and then they hug or whatever. Cindy's like pushing through and then falls. It kind of like, you know, stumbles like onto like the little stage thing. Shade drops his hand and then the movie returns. And then, you know, she's like, Mom. Shade's exhausted. He sees McNider and he's like, I'm so sorry uh, for the trip to the Shadowlands. And Pat asks, he's like, can we do something for you? And Shade asks Barbara, he's like, 
can you tell people I died doing something good? And then I guess he's he's dead because he turns the shadow and he's gone. And then Cindy, she's like, so who wants to kill Eclipso? And then that's where it ends. So Cindy's back, of course. And this is a funny thing. It's like, you know, she's so evil and they hate each other. But, you know, there's like they're going to be best friends despite the fact that she's done like so many evil things or whatever. But that that's fine. And you know, she, I guess she has her use. Will she become part of Just Society? That'll be an interesting question. So we'll see what happens next week. Okay, uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 7, Episode 2, The Need for Speed. So I'm just going to just jump into it, just try to get this, um, not get it over with, but go through it quicker. Uh, Gary recovers. So there in 1925, Gary had to eat J. Edgar Hoover because he accidentally got killed. Um, he tried shooting Nate. Nate turned metal. The bullet bounced off of Nate and hit J. Edgar Hoover in the head. So they're like, we need to get rid of the body. We need to find this time time travel dude in New York City and then go back in time and fix everything that we messed up. So the, the car needs to be repaired as well because it got shot a bunch of times. And Ava mentions that you know as soon as someone figures out Hoover's missing, the timeline's going to start changing. They listen on the radio, and the radio just mentions the bullet blondes are still at large, they're armed and dangerous. There's no mention of Hoover being gone, so Sarah's like, that's a good thing. Nate's like really bummed and you know he's he's like it's not you know things are so bad it's, you know well stuff like that you know he's like Mick's gone Astro's down for the count Zari's nursing a broken heart in a pocket dimension and I killed J Edgar Hoover it's like you didn't kill him it was an accident he shot you 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 tur- instinctively turned to metal to protect yourself and it ricocheted that's not killing him you know J Edgar Hoover killed himself basically uh so she you know because she's like it was an accident and he mentions like i spent my life studying history and trying to preserve it he's like i just messed up the 20th century so it's just like blah 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 he's you know he's saying he murdered someone it's like he didn't (laughs) then he's like you know for the first time they they have to admit that what they messed up might be permanent but then ava finds a ticket for the train that hoover was supposed to be on and sarah says that nate can continue to impersonate him so no one he knows he's dead and the timeline won't change Nate's like, I can't impersonate him all the way to Washington. Then Sarah asks Gary if he can do a spell to make Nate look like Hoover. And, and he needs some DNA and he, he ends up coughing up like a hairball or something like that. So I guess he's going to have it. Uh, Astra Spooner and Gloria are sitting at a table with a newly human form Gideon. She's not talking. You know, she's she can't talk. She's just like looking around the room. Spooner says that the plus side is Astra's magic is working. And Astra's like, my magic's garbage, you know, because she was trying to resurrect the ship and somehow resurrected Gideon as a human. Gary, he made a spell in like a soda bottle, and it, he's it's he said it's not quite ready because it needs a ferment or something like that. But the train's leaving in five minutes, so Sarah says that Nate can get on as Hoover because everyone's going to be looking at the most wanted woman in America. So she grabs some handcuffs out of Nate's pocket and she puts them on, on her and Ava. So Nate, Gary, Berard. Sarah and Ava get on the train. The conductor, you know, thinks in hearing that it's it's Hoover, he commandeers uh, the honeymoon suite. And then uh, Sarah and Ava use the key to go into the pocket dimension. They find Zari wearing sweats, and she's on her own journey or whatever with Berard's uh, gummies. So she's just trying to figure things out. Nate um, says that he's like, well, you know, maybe we won't need the potion. You know, they can just hang out in the cabin. But then there's a knock on the door asking for speed. So that was his uh, nickname that only close people used. So the guy, his name is Francis Baker. And so Nate has to use a potion. And 
he's like, you know, how long is it good for? And Gary says it depends on the metabolism. You know, so it could be an hour, it could be twenty four. And you know, he says he has to clean up the mess, so he starts drinking. Gary's like, no, 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 don't drink it in front of us. And he's like, did it work? And he's like, I don't know because apparently, if you drink the potion, if you drink the potion in front of other people, they can't see the change, so they don't know if it worked or not. He has to just go. He opens the door. The guy looks like at him weirdly, and then he's like, "Speed, whatever." So I guess it worked. And uh, he wants to buy him lunch and a food car, or whatever. And they, they get there, and he looks at like Gary and Berard, and he's like, "Oh, they might be comfortable elsewhere." So I, I don't know if it's like a racism thing or something like that. But Gary's not. I, I don't know. But the, the guy, like, he didn't want them there, you know. So he's he's clearly there's something wrong with this Francis guy. He's just a big jerk. Gideon's like eating apples and making like smiley faces in the center for some reason. Astro wonders when the others will get back. You know, how long is it going to take to find this Dr. Davies guy, whatever. Then Gideon sits up, like almost like when she hears his name, she's like sits up and then she collapses on the floor. And Astro's like, oh, great. Now she's broken. So Ava, you know, so her and uh, Ava and Sarah went upstairs, I guess, for their honeymoon. <laughs> So she comes downstairs and she finds Zari eating whipped cream from a can. And then she ends up stop, stopping Zari from eating more gummies. And then Zari's like, oh, yeah. So she she's decides she's going to start cleaning now, you know, rather than just like wallow in self-pity or whatever. On the food card, this lady's checking out Hoover and asks if there's a Mrs. Hoover. He's like, I'm married to my job or something like that. So then she's like, well, if you change your mind, she wants to give him her card. But then she's like, oh, someone stole my purse. So then the the friend, he's like, oh, let's round up the usual suspect. And he looks at like Gary and Berard. But then uh, Nate, as Hoover, puts on this like show, whatever, all this stuff. And he ends up finding her purse like under a table because there's a tablecloth. And there's like a dog like trying to get at something or whatever. So they walk out of the food car and then Nate says, you know, he's talking to, to Berard and, and uh, Gary. He's like, you know, maybe they should go back to the original plan and just like hunker down. But then the train lurches to a stop. These two dude gets get on board. They're agents and they're like, there's a, a plot to kidnap him. So they need to um, get him to safety or something like that. So Nate and Berard and Gary, they whisper each other. Then Nate says that Hoover was never kidnapped, so but they're going to go along with this. Gloria tends to Gideon. Astra says, she's like, she's not a person. Gloria says that because, you know, they, they called her computer before. Gloria's like, I may not know what a computer is, but I know a heartbeat. And she grabs Astra hand, Astra's hand and puts it on, on Gideon's cheek. She's like, you made that. She's like, so not only are you a powerful witch, you're a mother now. And then Astra, like, pulls her hand back. She's like, I am nobody's mother. <laughs> and Spooner wonders, it's like, you know, what, what are the legends going to do with a human Gideon? And I think Astra's like, oh, it'll probably give her Rory's old room or something like that. Then Gloria is like, where are they now? And they're like, they're on their way back. They're on their way to New York to meet with the time travel guide, and they'll come back for them. And Gloria's like, you know, I don't understand the time travel stuff, but wouldn't they just come for you right after they left? Because, you know, if, if, if it takes them like two weeks to get there, they can just travel back in time two weeks and pick them up like right as soon as they left. So Astro and Spooner just look at each other like, oh, crap. <laughs> on the train, Nate asks the new agents, uh, you know, What's the word from Washington? They say not a lot, but they intercepted a telegram. It says Hoover on trend northbound. So there's like some typos. So they're like, you know, maybe it's a foreigner or a really bad speller or something like that. So he sends it to to get the, like a list of all the passengers. And then they're going to try to find out if anyone wants to get Hoover. 
later Nate is excited because you know, he's talked to all these different people. He's like, everyone this train loves Hoover. And Berard's like, yeah, everyone with a first class ticket. He's like, you know, there's plenty of others who would want to kill him. Nate looks at a map of the tracks and he's like, you know, maybe someone would try to get the train off course and, you know, to, to get their shot at him. So they're thinking like maybe it's an inside job. The other two agents come up with this dude named Igor. He's a train's engineer, so he's a Russian. He won't talk, so Hoover is going to have to use his special touch, which maybe like beat him up or something like that. Zari's cleaning. Uh, she like looks in the fridge, and there's only like a bottle of whiskey in there. So she, you know, she takes it out, whatever, and then she looks back in the fridge, and there's a bottle in there again. So Ava walks in, and then she's like. Then Zari realized she's like, it's like the wave riders. Like maybe there's a second wave rider or a third and a fourth. Cause so like every time she takes a bottle out, opens the fridge, there's another bottle in there. Nate is um, trying to psych himself up. One of the other uh, agents kind of roughed him up while, you know, Nate's out, out in the hall. Berard and Gary are like, try, they're trying to run. It was like, you know, remember, you're a good guy. You, you shouldn't be doing this or whatever. Gideon um, takes that apple faces and she puts them in a box. And they don't know what she's trying to say. So there's six of them in there. So was that supposed to be like all the legends, right? And she, you know, so she puts the apple people in the, in the boxes and then she like stomps on it. And like some apple stuff squirts out in Astra's face and she like yells at her. And like you can see Gideon feels bad. Spooner, you know, she, then she asked her, she's like, why are you mad at her? And Astra's like, she's a constant reminder of my f- failure. Then uh, the lights kind of flicker or whatever. So Gideon's outside like pulling fuses and she grabs like a couple wires and she gets zapped because like Astra, she said something about like just like wires and fuses or something like that. So she like electrocutes herself. Zari is now surrounded by bottles when Ava comes down again. And she's like looking at her. She's like, no, I'm not stoned. I'm enlightened. And she says she finally figured out why John left her to key. Not like not to focus on herself. You know, she never really thought about you know, all these other people. So, and she also said she read, read like the 200 page manual about making a list of suspects. So she's taking all the bottles and she's on post-it notes. She's writing different people's names on, on them. So Nate comes, goes into the room. He gets in the engineer's face and the engineers like, he's like, they're making a mistake. And Nate asks to be alone. And so as they're outside in the hall, you hear like screaming and, and like the, the two agents are smiling, whatever. Berard's kind of, you can see he's upset. And then, um, Nate is going between like yelling and whispering and he's like throwing things. So he's like not really doing anything to the guy. And then the guy's like, this is, he's like, what are you doing? Or something like that. And he's like, this is worse than last time. Then Nate's like, I interrogated you before. And he's like, of course you don't remember me. He's like, you and and your men went after my family in 1919. It's like my, my wife and children had to flee and you, you beat me up because I was Russian. He's like, I lost everything because of you. So Nate says that he's sorry and but you know he doesn't sense that he'd want to kidnap him and igor says that he's like all i've done everything i could to stay away from you and then he says like when you're looking for enemies that's all you see you know it's, it's easy to miss what's right in front of you then nate looks out the window and he's like wait where'd the mountains go and so then he tells gary to, to grab the the agent um because like so one goes to the, to the bathroom and there's only one agent there and um the other agent comes back with a gun and the, the brakes go off. The train like lurches. So Nate manages to get the gun from this guy. And they say that, you know, uh, that the agents like tell Nate Hoover, or whatever, if he didn't make such a big stink about getting on, they never would have known. So Snorky has put a big reward on them. And Berard's like, who the heck is Snorky? And Nate's like, these guys work for Al Capone. 
So then you hear like outside, someone's yelling for them to come out with their hands up. There's like a bunch of gangsters out there with guns. So Berard and Gary says like, oh, we can take care of them. And he's like, no. He's like, the world still thinks that, you know, he's Hoover. So he has to make it right. He steps off the train. He walks up to the main guy and he's like, congratulations, you got me. And uh, the main guy, uh, so Capone's not really there. But this main guy, he looks at him and he looks at his men. He's like, who are you? So it turns out the potion wore off. So Nate is looking back like Nate. Zari's putting posts, so all the names on the different models. There's like one says Rip Hunter, one says Lex Luthor, another one's like Kuasa. I totally don't know, remember who that is. There's Rasputin, um, and then you, you can't really see the other ones. Ava's getting into this now. You know, they write Damien Dark's name, uh, Malice, Big Beepo, David Bowie. Uh, there's only one bottle that they don't show us. They're like, Zari's like, this is it too far out there for, to be this person? And before they can say who it is, Berard and Gary start calling through the keyhole. They say they could use some backup and mention Al Capone's men. So uh, the guys tell Nate they want Hoover, not some nobody. So he was supposed to bring his head to Snorky. Nate mentioned that he's like, oh, I, I killed, excellent. I killed, you know, Hoover. And so the guys like think about what to do. Then Sarah, Ava, and Zari come out and dresses with the whiskey. The guy's like, oh, you're the bullet blondes, whatever. And then this car pulls up and someone gets out. The sun's like behind him. So you, we can't see who it is. He takes off his hat and it's Hoover somehow. So even though Hoover is dead, Hoover's there. Zari's like two wave riders and two Hoovers. Like that can't be a coincidence. So then uh, the main guy steps towards Hoover and he's like, we're kidnapping you. And he's like, yeah, I'm arresting you. So Hoover says that they're all arrested and they're like, oh yeah. So they all like take out their guns and rifles. So like take cover and then start shooting or whatever. But Hoover starts like taking them out, like shooting them and just flipping them and doing all this stuff. Ava says, she's like, this is getting out of control. So like the timeline is seriously changing. So gra Sarah grabs a bottle, jumps, does this big huge uh, leap thing, smashes it on, on Hoover's head. Then Nate's like, did we kill him again? And uh, there's a, a piece of bottle like sticking in his neck. So Sarah pulls it out, but there's no blood. So it turns out that, that this is a robot. Like the post-it on the bottle, it said robot too. So they're like, is this Hoover's replacement? And then they can see like it starts like flashing because there's self-destruct goes off. And instead, you know, they, they jump out of the way. They take off in, in robot Hoover's car. So Astra is by Gideon's side in the bed. She says she's sorry. She's like, you know, could we try again? So, and you know, she gives her like paper and pencil. Gloria tells Spooner that you know she's like you were like this too. You didn't talk until you were six. And Spooner doesn't remember any of this. Then she realizes that she can hear Gideon's thoughts by touching her. So Doctor Davies' time experience experiment, whatever, is on November seventh in New York. So Astra's like that's two weeks from today. Then Gideon says she actually talks. She's like precisely, Captain. And then she's like gas. And Astra's like she's back. So they have time to make a plan. Gideon says that they have to get to Dr. Davies first or the legends will die. So not really sure what that is all about, but I guess it's it's a bad thing if they go after, if they meet with Dr. Davies. I don't know why, but that's how it goes. So it was fine. We, we, yeah, where, where the heck's this robot Hoover come from? What's going on? And who was on that post-it note? So we'll have to wait and see okay then titans uh season three episode 13 purple rain so it starts off at wayne manor and there's just like things in this episode that 
are left unanswered that kind of kind of nag at me. But anyways, so there's a bunch of GCPD there. They're all armed. Crane sitting down in the back cave watching like old war footage or whatever. So now my question here is like, do these GCPD officers know that the Batcave cave is there? Do they know that, that Bruce Wayne is Batman or was Batman? Or do they think that Crane just took over this mansion and is just using it as his headquarters or whatever? So uh, Crane decides to call Fletcher about Barbara Gordon. He, he's apparently out of the jail cell. You know, we, we didn't see that, but obviously someone's going to find him eventually. And plus they saw the other officer saw Barbara leave, I guess, in the elevator. Crane tell he he's basically giving Barbara to Fletcher to do as he, he pleases. He's like, I'd like for her, you know, for her to witness all this. But he basically says that, you know, he can do whatever he wants to her for revenge type of thing. And then, uh, then Fletcher says, yeah, the armory footage showed Red Hood with Dick Grayson. And Crane's like, ah, that, that's excellent. Seems like he's found his way back. And, you know, then he received my gift or something like that. So then he tells uh, the computer to activate the charges or something like that. Or not, must not, must not been to activate them, but to prime them probably. Because then uh, that one police lady, like Barbara's second in command, her, so her name is V. She tells officers that, uh, you know, she's like, you know, Commissioner Gordon's still your superior and any harm that comes to her will come back and bite you in the ass. And they're like, that is if, you know, she doesn't take care of you herself. So they're like outside the elevator that's going to take them to Oracle. And she's like, you do realize she's armed. And they're like not saying anything. She's like, last chance. So she opens the elevator door. And then they get in. And it starts to take them. So Barbara hears the elevator working. She has a gun. So she like pulls her gun out. She's holding at the elevator door, waiting for it to open. And then when the door is open, she's confused to see the three officers like knocked out, like on the floor. Then V says, she's like, you need to put that down or we're going to have a problem. She steps over to dude and she's like, are you ready to get to work? So V, she took out these three dudes. She says the main building is secure, but there's rogue officers outside. She reveals to Barbara that she doesn't really work for the GCPD. She's like, I use the gym and, and the Costco discount, but she was actually sent there by Argus to monitor like suspicious, like super activity or something like that. And Barbara's like, Argus? Like Roy Harper Argus? And she's like, yeah, he sends his regards, by the way. And then Barbara's like, is V actually your name? And then she's like, yeah, I kind of like that or something like that. So V says that they suspect Rachel Ghoul was there to place a Lazarus pit as a first step in a larger plan. And they believe that Crane used it to resurrect Jason Todd. But there's more. And then she's like, it's a good thing you're sitting down. Dick Grayson is alive. And she says that, you know, his Titan friends took him to the pit. He came out alive. They're not sure what they're doing yet, but... They're trying to use the Ar so they're using the Argus satellite to track the Titans now. So you know they don't know what, what they're gonna do, and she's like, "It's time to save Gotham." So then there's like this secret room or something like that. She's and she's like, "You know, I, I took the liberty to make a few staffing changes." The good news is there's a bunch of Argus soldier agents, officers, whatever you want to call them, in, in Gotham now. Rogue cops are still shooting at Don and Tim. You know, from from last episode, she has like the car door as a shield. She's moving closer, whatever, and uh, bullets are starting to ricochet. Like when when rogue officer gets hit, um, or maybe is either got hit from that because Jack Drake, Tim's dad, is like shooting too. Um, Tim manages to kick one, which was just kind of like out of nowhere. And they're like, "Oh, they're like, how did you learn?" He's like, "I learned it from YouTube." It's like, okay, <laughs> zero training, but he wants to be a Robin. He's just he's just really smart, and he has a bunch of computers that he 
cobbled together. So more cops come. They have like machine guns and stuff like that. So Donna tells Tim to go with his family and she'll deal with them. She's like, go. So then uh, one is overcome by like black and purple smoke. So Rachel's take, taking them out. Gar's in tiger form. He c- causes another one to just like faint. It's like, okay. He's like, you got a gun and you're scared of a tiger in front. You can just shoot. But thankfully he didn't. Then uh, Rachel comes up to Donna. And she's like, you look great for someone who's undead. They hug. And, you know, talk us like that. And re- then Rachel's like, you know, we need to go. Dix sent us to get you. So something's going down with Crane. Uh, Jack and his and Tim's cousin are impressed with him. Jack's like, do you need a moment to say goodbye? And then he and Donna kind of like, you know, see each other from, you know, a little distance. And Tim's like, no, I'm good. Then his mom, you know, after after like a, a couple seconds, she's like, you need to stay. She's like, this is where you belong. There, she's, she's like, you know, they need him, but Gotham needs him more. And Jack's like, do us proud. And then so he's like, yeah, okay. And so he starts like walking to them. And Donna like shakes her head as he walks up. She's like, called it. Connor's looking around the flaming wreckage of Blackfire's ship. Corey gets up. And then, you know, the others finally get up. Corey's like defensive. She's like, you did this? And he's like, I didn't mean to. And she cuts him off. She's like, blow up her ship? She's like, her only way back home? She's like, you know what cowards hide behind? Intentions. And she like shoves him and her eyes kind of glow greens. She's like, I'm sick of people telling me what they didn't mean to do. She like shoves him again. She's like, after they did it. And Crypto, poor Crypto, he's like, he's barking because he's like, they're supposed to be friends. And it's like, you know, what's going on? And he's like, I'm sorry. And Corey's like, sorry's not enough. And Blackfire she comes up. She's like, I don't blame him. And Corey's like, did he not just blow up your ship? And Blackfire's like, yes, he acted selfishly. And she's like, I would have done the same thing if I were him. It's like, some of us have to fight for what we get and do stupid things along the way. Corey's like, you're just going to forgive this after everything we've been through, we've gone through. And Blackfire's like, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but whatever it is, it's sure as poop not going to bring the ship back. So Corey's like, you know what? She's like, I'm done with this BS. And she walks out. And then she gets a call from Barbara or before she like walks out of the room. Dick and Jason are driving. They're talking about the bombs. Jason's like, is your plan to find some supers to stop the bombs before they go off or something like that? And Jason's like, Titans? He's like, you know, what are you going to do when they see me? And Dick's like, they're not. So he pulls over and he's like, you need to get out here. He's like, I can't bring you back because it'll start a war. He's like, but I do need you. And Jason's like, so I'm just your dirty little secret. And Dick's like, you know, if you want to help, this is the way it's going to be. He's like, I can only fight one war at a time. And he's like, if, if if you don't hear from me before, meet me back here in three hours. Then uh, Barbara calls Dick, and, and he's surprised. And she tells him that V's working for Argus. And as Dick's driving, he sees like the T signal. He's like, oh, that's a nice touch. And Barbara's like confused. And then the radio switches over. This is Dr. Jonathan Crane for Dick Grayson. This is only the beginning. There are 10 bombs across the city. How many can you find? How many will die? September has finally come, and the season of the harvest is upon you. She's like, shut up, stupid crane. Then it switches back over to Barbara. She's like, are you okay? We lost you for you know a, minute, a second there or whatever. And then a bomb goes off the top of the building. People in the street start falling to their knees, and like there's like all this gas coming out of, out of the from the bomb. And Crane's now Crane. So I thought he was just, I don't know where he called from, but then he's like walking through the city with a gas mask. So it's like, how did he get there so quickly? Whatever. And then he raises his hands up. And he just looks, looks like such a dork. It's like, was that a touchdown? Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, my goodness. People are all out in the streets. It's like, are they dead or are they knocked out? But I guess they're dead. Dick gets a call from Barbara. The satellite says anywhere between 500 to 2,000 are dead. 
V says that the wind is moving east, so most of the toxin is dispersed over the harbor. So there, at least there's that. Dick now is with Donna, Corey, Rachel Gar, Superboy, and Blackfire. So they're, I, I think they're all at the Drake restaurant in, in Tim's secret computer room. They're trying to decipher the poem. Um, like there's one part that says, I sit at the dive of something, whatever. And they're like, well, there's like two or three dive bars in this one area. You know, So they're trying to figure out where the bombs could be hiding or hidden. And like Dick asks Connor if he think you know he can go around and use his x-ray vision or something like that. And he's like, well, as long as they're not in lead container, she's like, well, let's hope that they're not. He talks like Don and Corey. He's like, you know, they need a plan if the bombs go off. And Don is like, it's a deadly toxin. She's like, you know, what kind of plan could we have? And then Corey's like, the Lazarus pit. And Don is like, we can't bring the city to the pit. And Corey says, you know, unless they can figure out how to bring the pit to the city. And then Dick's like, well, find a way. And Corey's like, don't expect miracles. And Dick's like, I absolutely do expect miracles. Then, you know, then he like, he's, so he's moving around the room. Then he like kind of pauses. Then he asks Connor, he's like, can I talk to you for a second? So he's like, he, he wants to talk about what happened when he, you know, hit him with the kryptonite dust. And Connor's like, you did what you had to do. He's like, I know what it's like. And he like looks at Blackfire. He's like, I did what I had to do too. He's like, we have bigger things to worry about. And he puts out his hand and they do like a, a power bro shake, whatever. And so then Dick tells everyone, to, he's like, he's like, stop. He's like, forget the poem and the clues. He's like, we, we're going about it all wrong. And he calls Barbara. He's like, we're playing right into his hands. It's, it's all a game. He wants us to run around Gotham like Batman would have. Barbara's like, yeah, we might as well be Bruce and Jim. You know, so it's all just a game to him. So they're like, let's not play it anymore. And V's like, so we're not going to look for the bombs? And Dick's like, no. He's like, we're going to beat Crane in a way that Batman never would. It'd be something that, you know, he wouldn't, that Crane wouldn't expect. So Crane's at the computer. He's arming all the devices while he's singing, if I only had a brain. Okay, I guess that makes him the cool, edgy, quirky villain. Uh, the Titans are talking about like creating a storm or something like that. And uh, Dick now is with Gar and Tim. So they need to get inside Wayne Manor before Crane sets off another bomb. Corey, Rachel, and Blackfire are going to drain the Lazarus pit to bring back to people who have already died. Problem is there's not enough for everyone, so they have exactly one shot at this. Uh, Dick tells Gar that he, he saved his life by turning into a bat. So, you know, does he think he could do it again? And Gar's like, I'm pretty sure I can't. He's like, when I did it, I was part of a hive mind thinking with a hundred brains. She's like, it was loud and confusing. And I was like, so dizzy afterwards, I could barely, you know, walk. And Dick's like, he's like, well, I didn't say it'd be easy. So he's like, well, you know, once you get in, you need to turn off the security because Barbara needs to access the manor's computer network. And there's a router in his room. And so, you know, then he's about to leave. Then he's like, well, what's a code? And Dick's like, it's a five-digit code, and the last person set up was Jason Todd. So Gar's like, right. And then Tim's like, what's what's the code? And then uh, Dick's, or I, I forget who said it was Dick or Gar, but there's like 420-69. So after Gar leaves, Tim says that the place is crawling with GCPD, and when they hear an alarm, Gar's cooked. And Dick's like, don't worry, I got it covered. So the police are talking to Fletcher. They caught Jason Todd trying to get into the manor. Rachel, Corey, and Blackfire, they're down where the Lazarus pit is. Blackfire consenses there's something wrong. There's like dark magic. And Blackfire says that she's like, I'm ready. Rachel unleashes her powers. Um, so the pit has like people's fears and, and like dark emotions and stuff like that. So she has to like kind of take it all in her. 
Fletcher asks Jason, like, what are you doing here? He's like, Crane is done with you. And Jason's like, I saw what Crane did downtown. He's like, I'd rather be here when the next bomb goes off. And Fletcher asks why he thinks Crane would take him back. And Jason says, well, I'm pretty sure he's tired of dealing with the second string. So Fletcher's like, okay. So he, he calls Crane. He's like, Red Hood is here. And Crane's like, oh, bring him down. He's like, you know, maybe it's important for him to be here for the end. And then we'll ki- then you can kill him. So does that mean Fletcher knows if he said bring him down? Does that mean he knows about the Batcave? Gar fl- flies as a bird. I, maybe he would turn into a bat. It looked, almost looked like a bird. But he flies into the window. He, like, s- smashes into the window. And then he changes. And he's, like, hanging there. And he opens it. So the alarm goes off right away. It's like, okay, that didn't really, you know, do much. But then Jason starts fighting in the in the kitchen, like the officers, and like shooting them and stuff like that. And like one's like, he's like, don't shoot me. It's like, oh, whatever. I don't know if he says I have a family or something like that. But then Jason just like knocks him out. But again, these officers, if they know the secret behind Wayne Manor, that's that could be a problem. So Dick, you know, calls Gary. He's like, tells him to turn off the alarm. Rachel is bringing in, you know, sucking in more to pit, whatever. And Corey asks if she's okay. And she's like, no. <laughs> but you know she's still doing it Blackfire starts blasting into the pit and then Corey as we still don't know how Corey got these powers or what what that means but she like makes this like energy sphere thing or whatever and kind of like puts the Lazarus pit whatever inside the sphere Gar is like looking he goes to nightstand gets something and then he goes in the hall and he sees Jason and Jason he's like, he's like no he's like Dick sent me he's like I'm on your side and he whips around and like shoots a cop it's like coming up behind him he's like see so he tells them to set up the router. He's like, I, I got the hall. So Gar has to connect the router to the mainframe. And he tells he calls Dick. He's like, you should have told me about Jason. And Dick's like, would you have gone inside if I had? And he, you know, he, he just said, he's like, well, you still should have told me. So Jason takes out three more. Dick hears like gunfire over the comm. Then he tells Tim, he's like, I'm going in. So he's like, tell Gar to connect the router and to cut the red wire. And Tim's like, red, he's like, you never cut the red wire. But, you know, Dick just leaves. So Tim calls Gar and he tells him what he said. And Gar's like, he says the same thing. He's like, you, you don't cut the red wire. So he's like, okay, so he does it. It worked. They're in. And then uh, there's a security question. What is the name of the one who got away? So Gar's like, oh, he's like, okay, Joker? Eh. Riddler? Eh. And he's like, I only have one more time or one more try. And Tim's like, Selena Kyle. And he's like, who's Selena Kyle? He types it and he spells it out for him he, and it works. So he's, he's like, who's Selena Kyle? So somehow Tim Tim knows everything, which is why he should be a Robin, right? Uh, the computer tells Crane that five GCPD are offline and you know they have their location. So he orders more men up there. Barbara's working on her computer at her desk. The GCPD are jumped by Nightwing, so he's in costume now. Fletcher uh, puts this like the, the targeting site on the back of Dick's head, and he's like, he's like, oh, Barbara Gordon isn't here to save you, your ass this time. But then Dick spins around, throws like a dart blade thing at him, and it knocks him out somehow. And he's like, I'll tell her you said hi. Gar and Jason come up behind. Dick looks up at the camera and kind of does like a salute wave to, and Crane like freaks out because, you know, he takes the camera out. So Dick wants to go after him and Jason's like, no, he's like, this is a Titan's job. He's like, Crane knows I turned on him. That's enough for me. So then he's like, you guys should finish this. And he's like, and, you know, tell the others I'm sorry for everything. So Dick says, thank you to Jason. Jason's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, I was never here. So then Tim comes in, sees the bodies. Then he's like excited to like go down the stairs behind the 
the grandfather clock or whatever. Corey's kind of like carrying the energy sphere or bringing it. They send it up into like out, they're out, outside in the city streets now. They send it up and it goes off. So now there's purple light all over the sky, thunder. Um, Connor does like his freeze breath, whatever, I guess to change the temperature. Lightning starts. And Corey's like, we forgot something. She's like, it's, it's going to, you know, all, with all the lightning, she's like, it's going to burn Gotham to the, the ground. And Donna's like, I got it. So she takes out her lasso and then whoosh, it just like totally extends like up to the whatever, the center. It starts like channeling the lightning. Crane is about to set off the bomb. He wishes that Bruce was there to see it. 10 seconds, countdown, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 3, 2, 1, no detonations. And Crane starts cursing, command override denied, remote access engaged. So Nightwing comes down and he says that he asked Barbara to make a duplicate screen so he didn't detonate anything. And then he's like, oh, what's wrong? He's like, all your hopes and dreams are shattered. And he tells Tim, he's like, you always wanted to see the Batcave. What do you think? And Tim's like, it's a little overcrowded. And Gar's like, Gar's like, yeah, I agree. And Dick, he tells him, he's like, I'll let you have the honors. And Crane's like, who are you supposed to be? He's like, I'm Tim Drake. <laughs> and he's like, you tried to kill my family. So it's like, okay, you're telling this dude your name now. He punches Crane, knocks him out. He's like, that's for, for my family, for Gotham. And then Dick asks Barbara, he's like, okay, tell me something good. And then computer, tell me something, or tell me something good by Chaka Khan. Or, so it starts playing this, this, this song by Chaka Khan and someone else. Tell me something good, or was it something? Uh, I forget what it was called. Anyways, so it's raining outside. There's purple rain, but they're playing the Shaka Khan music and not Prince. So I guess they didn't get the rights to play Purple Rain. I mean, they, they named the episode that, but they don't play the song. People in the street start waking up, and they're totally fine. So that's the thing with this Lazarus Pit. There's no like threat stability of sanity because you know in, in the comics you go into lazarus pit you come out and your your mind is like fried and then you know there's a possibility that you might not recover so everyone's just getting up and they're they're, they're totally fine it, it it doesn't even matter so i guess that it's just different here already the scientist guy comes up and he tells uh blackfire that he's there to make the day amazing uh, there's still a way to make their dreams come true and then he freaks out. He's like, wait, that, he's like, you're the Titans. And he's like, can I take a selfie? And he takes a couple. It's like, okay. Then we see Bruce returns. He's being driven through the city. People are, so some time must have passed because people are cleaning up the mess. The graffiti, there's like Red Hood graffiti and stuff. They're like painting over it and everything. He returns to Wayne Manor. He's, there's like a mess like all over. He sees like the sliced up family portrait. And then Dick is there. He's like, oh, he's like, this is not the welcome, you know, I, I wanted for you or something like that or the, not the welcome home he planned. And Bruce is like, I'm lucky to have a home at all. And then Dick says, like, he's like, do me a favor. He's like, next time you decide to leave town, don't. And Bruce like, you did exactly what I asked you to do. You saved Gotham City. And Dick's like, well, I had some help. He's like, you know, the Titans and Barbara. And Bruce says that, you know, he, Dick succeeded where he failed. And Dick's like, I failed too, but I had a second chance. Then Jason walks in. So Bruce and, and Jason go in the other room. And Jason's like, he's like, coming here wasn't my idea. And Bruce asks Jason if he can forgive him. And Jason says, but you can't forgive me. And Bruce's like, there was a time when that would have been true, but he's like, we've all crossed lines, you know, whatever. And then Jason says that he's like, I've, I've done things I can't come back from. And Bruce asks like, do you want to come back? And Jason's like, here, no. He's like, that life is over. Then Bruce's like, well, what life is next? And Jason's like, I don't know. And Bruce says that 
you know, that the, the fear Jason felt, you know, he re refuses to see it because it's something that they both share. He's like, it's, it held sway over them, but fear is a bad mentor. And, you know, he wishes he had the strength to help Jason face his before. So then Jason asks, he's like, when you killed a Joker, did you do that for me? And Bruce is like, yes. He's like, I did. And then Jason's like, thank you. And he walks out of the room and Bruce whispers like, goodbye, son. So that's a, that's, that's a good conclusion for like the, the you know, because there's too much tension between Jason Todd and Batman now. And, you know, every once in a while in the comics, we see that they're kind of overcoming this. But a lot of Jason's anger was Joker killed him and Batman didn't do anything about him. You know, he's just like, OK, I'm just going to lock you up again. Like, oh, you, you killed my son, but that's fine. So at least here, even though it's, it's extreme and Batman should never kill anyone, you, whatever, there's some resolution there. So then Connor, he takes Blackfire back to Artie's lab and, and she's like, I don't want to be here. She's like, why are we here or whatever? Artie turns on a screen and there's like the ship's blueprints. And she's like, how are you able to do this? And Artie's like, well, Connor has a hell of a memory. He's like a computer. So there's still a chance. Artie's like, you know, it won't even take long. He's like, my 3D printer can do a lot of the little things. Connor tells her it's the least that he can do. He's like, you know, what he did was selfish. And if she wants to go back, he doesn't have the right to stop her. So she thanks him and they hold hands. Donna shows up at GCPD because Barbara told her that someone named V wanted to talk to her. So V, you know, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm Margarita V. And she's like, I've had my eye on you for, you know, quite a while now. And she's like, what are your plans for your second life? And, you know, she hands her a card. You know, there's no, she's like, there's no number on here. She's like, oh, it has a chip in it. You just hold it up to your phone and it dials for you. So Dick goes into Barbara's office and, you know, he, uh, since Argus is there, she figures, you know, why not let them stick around and help rebuild the GCBD better than ever. And uh, the Argus satellite is working on bringing Oracle back online. If it can, she's the only one that can handle him. So she's calling Oracle him because before I wasn't really sure what to how to refer to Oracle. She asks um, if she needs to worry about Red Hood and Dick's like, he's leaving Gotham. And then she asks, how are the Titans handling it? And he's like, differently. He's like, Gar always saw the person behind the hood, and he knows how far Jason went to help us in the end. He's like, the others, we'll see. Then she's like, and you? Dick says that they've made their peace. Uh, she mentions, she's like, so you're heading out now. And he's like, well, you could come with. And she's like, well, or you could always stay. So they, they kind of leave it as a, like, see you next time type of thing. Before he leaves, she's like, she says, thank you. And then he like says, thank you to her. So Donna catches up with him like on his way as he's walking out. And she's like, he's like, oh, so you asked her to go to San Francisco with you? And he's like, well, she asked me to stay here. And he asks, he's like, he asked Donna, he's like, well, we see you in San Francisco. She's like, probably not. She's like, I'm, I'm headed to Paris to see Don. And she's like, I have a message from Hank. Then Dick's like, after that? And she's like, well, you never know. She's like, there's always more bad guys than good. So she congratulates him on finding Nightwing. And he's like, yeah, all it took was dying. And she says, you know, the thing about dying and coming back is it sets your priority straight. And then he's like, do you want to go for a ride? And she's like, he's like, come on. So the Titans are at a private you know, hangar. Dick pulls up in this big RV and Rachel's like, what is that? And he says, he's like, I figured it'd be more fun, you know, going in this and taking Bruce's private jet. And they like, look at the jet and they look at him. And Corey's like, why would that be more fun? And Gar's like, road trip. Blackfire pulls up and then she uh, says to Corey, before Corey goes, she wanted to thank her. 
Corey says she's really glad things turned out the way they did. She's like, maybe it's a, it's a new start for us. And Blackfire is like, like those sister who are best friends. She's like, that's we're not like that. And Corey's like, but at least we don't want to kill each other. She's like, it's a start. Corey's like, you know, maybe someday she'll make it back to Tamaran if she, you know, if she needs her, she's she'll be, you know, she'll be there. So they hug. Then um, she talks to Connor. Artie is working on a breathing device. Blackfire talks to Connor. So Artie's working on a breathing device because there's like some nitrogen in the air or, something or whatever. So perhaps one day he could visit her. So they smooch and hug and stuff like that. They start to leave. Donna and Tim um, are staying behind. Donna says, you know, she's like, for what it's worth, I think you would have made a pretty decent Robin. And then so they're, they're about to get on. And Dick turns around. And he's like, you coming? And Tim's like, are you serious? And Dick's like, the question is, are you? He's like, you got some nice moves and you need proper training if you're up for it. So he gets on an RV. Then Dick, t- Dick tells Corey, he's like, okay, destination San Francisco time, 44 hours. And she's like, 44 hours? She's like, fine, but I get to be the DJ. And Dick's like, yeah, first, but we have one more stop. So then at Arkham Asylum, he goes to see Crane. He's chained. He's wearing a straight jacket. And Crane's like, oh, you're here for more help? He's like, I'm not on, on GCPD's payroll anymore, but you know we could probably work something out. He's like, this is just a temporary problem. He's like, this house has many doors and they all revolve. Gotham is never going to change. He's like, I'll be back out before there's frost on the pumpkins. And Dick's like, not this time. Rachel walks in. She starts like vomiting up the black stuff. And, and it all goes into Crane. And he's like, like it's all the pain and everything from the Lazarus pit. And she's like, pleasant dreams. He's like screaming and everything like that as they walk down the hall. And he keeps screaming. And then What a Wonderful World by Joey Ramone plays. End credit. Fade to black. End of the season. So this is my big problem. I mean, it was a good ending and everything. You know, things are all resolved. But the fact is, Crane knows all their secrets. And he's just standing there in a straight jacket and he could tell anyone and sure the doctor be like, okay, yeah, you're crazy. Or they can just tell me he's crazy. But, and it was like, what about all these rogue GCPDs? Cause I'm sure they weren't all killed, but they all know how, how much do they know? And you know, what is bat is Bruce Wayne going to be Batman again? Or is he done? And do pe- I, there's just a lot of questions, but maybe this all be addressed if, there is a fourth. I think there's a fourth season. Hopefully, there's a fourth season. So it was a good season. Just a little too much Scarecrow, Jonathan Crane for me. But other than that, I, I enjoyed what's going on. But again, now I, I want Donna to be back. She, she comes back and then she's not going to be gone. So hopefully, Donna will be back. Don will be back. Oh, we'll see what's going to happen. So good show. Watch it if you haven't watched it on HBO Max. Okay, then. Doom Patrol, Season 3, Episode 7, Bird Patrol. So it starts off, there's a big like bird cage being made. Uh, the bike dude, I think his name's Lloyd, right? He climbs up on it. The wind starts blowing. Holly starts shouting and stuff. And then they're like, there's like all these flyers are going out. And they're like, tonight, so something's happening. This is it. Larry's on his knees in his room. He's like coughing, pulls a bandage off his mouth. And he vomits out this blue like slug caterpillar type thing. And 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 he like falls on a, on the ground, and somehow one of the flyers from the the sisterhood of Dada enters his room, and it just like kind of like lands on him. Cyborg is sitting in a chair at the doctor's office, so she, she says that uh, she worked with his mom at Star Labs for years. He asks if uh, synthetic skin might be an option for him, and she has, says that she has to admit she was surprised when Silas chose a cyborg tech for him instead of coming to her. 
she's you know she is still impressed with his work you know because she's like looking at the pulse cannon she has like you know how much output does it do all this or whatever and but she says to safely introduce a synth skin epidermis whatever to and to his body his cyborg tech will have to be completely removed and Vic's like even grid and she's like yeah she's like your artificial organs and structural prosthetics would have to stay but anything that requires more energy than you get from a burrito would have to go and he thinks he's he's like he says, what if he wanted to do it? You know, how soon could she, could she, she do it? And she's like, well, it could be an easy process because I guess the tech is easy to remove or whatever. She's like, it'd be an overnight procedure. She's like, but this isn't a decision he should take lightly. She's like, you know, have you talked to your father? And he's like, well, my mom would have wanted this for me. And that's all I care about. And she's like, well, that's good. But, you know, we urge all our clients to, you know, talk to loved ones before making a big decision. Jane is pissed that all her effing records are gone, whatever, you know, that Cliff's was selling them. And she's like, which one? And he's like, well, I sold them as a lot, so all of them. And she's like, she's yelling, and she's like, what's wrong with you? And he, he's like, you don't understand. He's like, I had a, or they had a special chipmunk limited edition keychain that you could get for 15,000 acorns, and I was almost there, but I lost it all a double or nothing with Mr. Fox, even though Ginger told me not to trust him. And she's just like, you know, she doesn't know. She's like, there's something weird going on with with him or whatever with you and she's like you're getting my records back and and but then um she starts choking and he's he's like oh i know this he wants to do like the heimlich on her but she like she stops him and she pulls out like a piece of like cloth or something like that and it's like a flyer from the sisterhood of dada and then cliff like looks at his shirt he's like you're right something is you know some weird is going on because like the the thing there's like the symbol thing it's like on his shirt now somehow Laura comes down and she's like, of course, something is wrong. She's like, they're coming for us. So we must rally and defend the castle. And she tells Cliff, she's like, seal the windows, the doors, the fireplaces. And Jane like stops him from moving. She's like, why are you still even here? She's like, we had a deal. And she's like, we did your little spy mission. So why don't you get the F out and take your dumb quirks and your effing stupid magic tricks with you? And Laura's like, it's like, yeah, he's like, we have bigger problems or something like that. And Jane's like, you have bigger problems. Laura says that, you know, she assumes that this is everyone's a problem. Everyone's a problem. Um, and then another personality, Cliff's like, he says something he's talking about more. He he mentioned her selling her share workout tapes or something like that. So this other personality comes on. She's like, you sold my tapes? And she teleports him out of there. Laura's like, okay, because, you know, she, they're suddenly gone. She takes Cliff to his daughter's and she just like leaves him there. And then, uh, so, so the door opens because she like knocked on the door and, and left. And he's like, "Oh, I'm back." And and he's like, "Oh yeah, the par-, you know." They asked about his Parkinson's, or whatever. He's like, "Yeah, it's cured." He's like, "I have pills." She's like, "My hands have never been steadier." And he holds it out. Then back in 1949, now in the, the bureau of normalcy. So I think would didn't Rita go there in 1917? So she's been. One of the questions: How is it nobody in the show ages? You know, because like Niles was like over a hundred, and no one ages at all you know rita was born you know she started her career in the early i i don't know it, i i thought it's like did i miss something at a certain because like jane i remember like i think she first went to niles in like in the 80s and you know she still looks the same and, and you know she was she was involved like in the 60s we saw her like in a past life she was you know when she had a boyfriend and you know all this stuff happened i don't know i guess we just don't worry about it it's like comic book aging <laughs> At the Bureau of Normalcy, some dude sitting in front of Laura, you know, he says that he's been eyeing the Bureau since his cousin Paige came there. He's a meta, too. 
Uh, and Laura's like looking at some drawings and, and she asks, who are you? And he's like, oh, I, I told you. He's like, I'm Wally Sage. And, he, and then she's like, what are you? Then Rita comes in with her mail cart, uh, you know, just brings some mail. So Wally's like, oh, it'd probably be easier if I just showed you. So he puts his, his hand over one of the drawings and then like a beach ball appears off the page. And she's like, could this apply, this, can you apply this ability to artillery? And Wally's like, uh, sure, I guess. And then he's like, but I came in about the marketing position. So she stamps his file as weapon. So he's like, okay. So she, you know, he leaves. Then Rita's like, he was just a boy. And Laura's like, wars don't fight themselves. And Rita says, she's like, you used to look out for people like him. And Laura's like, you know, times have changed. And Rita's like, well, we're meeting later, you know, to make art and would love to see you. And she's like, everyone? And then she asks Rita to send in the next recruit on her way out. So while she has her kind of back turn, uh, Rita sneaks like a piece of paper into like Laura's desk between like some some files and stuff. So then uh, Rita is talking to Malcolm out in the hall and he's not surprised that she said that, you know, she's probably not going to go. She's been sour for 15 years and Rita's like, you know, Laura saved us. You know, maybe it's time we save her. In the present, Laura knocks on Larry's door because, you know, he's still on the ground. She's like, it's 11 a.m. You're just lying on the floor. She's like, we're about to face an incredible threat. We could use all the help. We, you know, I could use all the help we can get or something like that. And then she sees on, a, on the, the slug thing on the floor. She's like, what is that? And he's like, oh, I don't know. He's like, maybe it's like a space pirate or something like that. And she's like, there's only one thing to do when you expel a 16-pound thing from your body. And he's like, give it a name? She's like, no. Oh, my God. She's like, give it a name. She's like, you need to burn that. And so Jane goes to CK. Driller Bill says that she's been crying all day. Kay says someone stole her bike. It was right outside her door. And when she woke up, it was gone. Jane's like, well, maybe someone borrowed it. And Kay's like, no, someone stole it. And Jane's like, you know, maybe we can just go up the top and get you a new one and actually pay for it. And Kay's like, no. She's like, I don't want to go up there ever again. So it's like, okay. <laughs> Cliff is holding baby Rory. And he's like, oh, you two should go out and there's something like that. And then Clara's uh, partner, Mel, see his hands shaking a little bit, even though he said it wasn't doing that. And so she takes Rory. Um, but Clara's like, yeah, that could be a good idea or something like that. And she gives him a credit card. She's like, just in case of an emergency. And they, they go off. And now he's like, oh, crap. He's got the credit card and he's got this, you know, spending urge that he, he can't help, this addiction. Holly's uh, making some other gadget. Uh, there's like it's like this train with a giant horn, or I don't know what it is. Larry's out in the in the woods uh, with the slug thing in a bag, so he just like drops it. He's like, okay, that's that. He walks off, but then he he returns. He's like, he decided to to give it some food so it would have a, a fighting chance. So he made like a PB and G PB and J sandwich, and then he leaves, but then he goes back again. He leaves his scarf. He's like, oh, it's supposed to be chilly tonight, whatever. He leaves, turns around. He's like, you know, you're better off without me. So this is, you know, as, as they mentioned, like, in the, the scene afterward, this is, like, kind of like him dealing with his, like, abandonment issues, like, like his relationship with his kids and how he wasn't there even though he wanted to be and he couldn't be. So he's, even though it's not his kid, but he's obviously feeling some, some guilt and stuff over this. But then, it's like, some, like, smoke and frog starts, like, rolling in through the woods. Then we see Ronnie somewhere else, like out on different woods. She has a gun and she gets like some Morse code message. It's like it says, miss me. So she gets in a walkie and she asked Vic how he found her. He's like, well, the supercomputer in my head might have helped. And he's like, you are right. He's like, everything was laid out for me 
and but you know now I want to help people. He tells her he thinks he's going to have his all his tech taken out, and she's like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "What about being a hero?" And he's like, "My tech doesn't make me a hero." And she says, "You know, they both want the same thing at the end of the day." Um, you know, change. He says, you know, he's not giving up the fight. He'll just have to find another way. And she's like, you already have a way. He's like, but I didn't ask for this. She's like, none of us asked for it. She's like, what matters is what you do when you you get it. And he's like, well, cyborg isn't me. He's like, I'm not happy like this. And she says that, you know, he's a more effective agent of change as cyborg than he is as Vic. You know, what does he want? Change or happiness? And he says that, you know, she taught him to trust himself. That's exactly what he's doing. He thought that she'd be happy for him. But then the signal starts kind of like cutting out, whatever. Then she's like, you know, do what you have to do. She's like, you know, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll see you on the other side. At Clara's, there's, you know, where you see outside the house, there's like a loud crash dishes or something like, you know, something breaks and Rory's crying. And then, you know, Cliff's like, all good, all good, everything's fine. So he's trying to clean up and heat a bottle. Uh, the radio was on. He like turns it off because the news is negative. He's like, I just want to make happy, you know, memories with you and, and, you know, not think about anything else. And then he sees a credit card. He's like, nope. He's like, I'm not thinking about ginger or chipmunks with the game that he was playing. Then like the smoke alarm goes off and he's like trying to take that off. Clara and Mel come home. And then Clara's like, you have the burner on high. You know, she's heating up the bottle. And so she, you know, Rory's like in a little like bouncy seat, like on the floor. So she take, she's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, put Rory down for a nap. So Clara's, you know, she's like talking to him. And, and she's like oblivious that anything's like even wrong, even though there's like a mess now in, in the kitchen. She asked him if he heard anything about a weird fog rolling in. He's, he's like, oh, I'm not even going to worry about that. And she's like, good. She's like, I don't want you running off since we just got you, you know, here. And then she takes her credit card and he like looks at her. So he never used it, which I'm assuming he didn't use it. Uh, Jane is furious and she's yelling at the other persona. She's like, you know, she's like calling it like, uh, she's like, I'm going to kill whoever the thief is or whatever. And she asks the doc, uh, she's like, who took the effing bike? And pretty Polly says, she's like, well, I hope whoever took it threw it in the well. And then Jane's like, I'm going to F you up. (laughs) And doc's like, if they did, you know, throw it in the well, she's like, they would have done us all a favor. And she's like, in case Jane hasn't noticed, Kay is staying put right where she belongs. And Jane's like, she's staying there because she's depressed, not because she wants to. And Doc says that Jane opened up uh, this can of worm by allowing her to go up in the first place. And Jane's like, you know, we were all made to protect the girl. And Doc's like, and who's protecting us, Jane? And then everyone's just like looking at her and she's just like, blown away she's kind of like scoffed and she's like are you all serious you know they're supposed to be there for her but they just care about themselves so laura's talking to herself how no one's helping her and she's walking through the hall somehow then she like goes on this one like this she go, basically goes like off camera to the right and then comes down the other side of the hall on the left so it's kind of like pat when pac-man goes off to the maze and comes through the other side and she keeps doing this you know she's trying to she's like stuck in there and, you know, she even, like, one point, she has, like, a bag. She, like, throws it, and then she, it doesn't come back. So she's like, wait. So she tries jumping, but then slides the other other side, and then, like, the bag comes flying at her. There's, like, some laughter and stuff. So obviously they're messing with her. In 1949, Laura's working late, and, like, she's sitting in the cafeteria. This dude comes in, and, like, so he, and he's comments how they set new like a recruitment record and she clarifies she's like i set the recruitment record 12th week in a row actually and the guy's like yeah not bad he's like if numbers were the only thing that mattered you'd be running the place by now so they kind of start bickering and stuff like that 
And, you know, then he's like, do you really think you're leadership material? And she's like, I've been a loyal employee here for 35 years, yet she hasn't really aged either, which is, I don't understand it. He asked her, what about her little pals? Like, you know, the stretchy one, the living cyclone, invisible one. And he's like, you know, every time reclassification comes up, uh, she hides them in a basement. And she's like, you know, they're in the midst of a meta-human, or he says they're in the midst of a meta-human's arm race, and she's more concerned about protecting her friends and about protecting what's really at risk, like the moral code of their great nation. And she's like, they're not suited for, for war. They're pacifists. And he's like, well, what does that make you? And he's like, you know, those freaks are merely an untapped resource. And he's like, you know, friendship is just another word for opportunity. And he's like, and don't think that the eye in the sky isn't watching, you know, watching her. He leaves and she like slams her papers down and the, the note that Rita put in there falls out. So the sister and Dada, they're all sitting around and they're like the living room, room, whatever. Rita and Malcolm have been working on something at home. So I guess they've been together all this time because, you know, it's been has been, you know, quite a while. So they made masks of each other and they're wearing like each other's masks or something like that. And the others is like, oh, you know, you're playing each other because you're in love. You know, they're not, not really impressed. Uh, Sachiko, so that's the, the the German lady with the the mask. She says that you know the world needs an enema, and she's like you know they should rise against the non-metas. And Shelley's like, every year we vote against it. And Sachiko says that they've been dancing around the idea for thirty years. Rita's like it's too dangerous. You know they're trying to make the world a better place. Lloyd, the the bike the dude with the bike wheels, he like laughs. He, he mentions you know plagues and wars, like you know he's like our bomb va vaporize a, a a nation or whatever. He's like you know, and my people are going through you know horrible things in our own backyard or whatever. He's like they they've watched the bureau change and they've kept their heads down. He's like what we are, we're complicit. And Malcolm says Nietzsche once said it takes chaos inside of us to give birth to the dancing star. And Holly says that the eternal flagellation would certainly be a big middle finger to the Bureau. Rita says that she's like, oh, Laura would never go along with it. You know, she'd have to choose between us and the Bureau. And Sachiko says if it's that difficult of a decision for Laura, then they've already lost her. In the present, the foghorn's still blowing. And then Sachiko's like sitting in a bird's nest. And then she's like, it's time. Cyborg is lying on an operating table. And then he sees like the, the Dada symbol thing on the wall and he's, they put the gas on him. So he's you know going to start getting knocked out. And he's like, was that there before? Kay's in her room. She's like looking at a stuffed animal and she's kind of whispering. Jane comes in with new shoes and she leaves him by the door. And she's like, I found out what happened to your bike. She's like, someone borrowed it and then lost it. So it was all a big mistake. There's nothing to be upset about. Kay turns to her and yells. She's like, we both know that's BS. And she, and she like makes the door to the room slam shut. And then fog starts rolling down the hall. Cliff is talking to Ginger about, he's like, I was Mr. Momming the poop out of that kid. Fog starts coming in. He's like in the garage or something like that. And she's like, well, you paid for 15 minutes. Do you want to talk about parenting or do you want to see my hoo-ha? And he's like, well, maybe just a little. But then his arms go up. He's like, what the? Vic's arms, so he's lying on a, on a table still. His arms go straight up. And Dr. Chalmers, uh, she's like, are you okay, Vic? And then Cliff yells, he's like, ask me. And Ginger's like, is it your meds again? And then he gets enveloped by the fog. Jane sees the fog approaching her in the hallway. And then suddenly, poof, the three of them are, are standing in like the Dada's living room place with their arms straight up. Laura's trying to seal all the openings. Larry walks in the kitchen and you know he's, 
she's like, how'd you get in here? He's like, I came in through the front door. And she's like, did you seal it? Because he, he didn't see any fog or anything like that. So she goes, she opens the door from the kitchen and then uh, fog starts coming in there. So in the past, we see Laura comes to the sisterhood meeting. They're all happy to see her. And Holly's like, we're finally doing the eternal flagellation. And they all start like dancing. In the present, Laura and Larry, they get transported to the room. Larry's arms go straight up, but Laura's don't. And then he starts dancing in unison with the others. And he's like, what, what, what's going on? And Laura just looks around them. She's like, I know this place. So her memory kind of starts flickering. In the past, they're dancing. And Laura just says that she wants them to know how proud she is of them. That no matter how tough things got, they stuck by each other. No matter how far she drifted away from them, they kept her tethered. So she'll never forget that. In the present, Cliff says, like, this is really dumb, but we actually look pretty cool. And Larry's asks, he's like, is this what you were afraid of to Laura? And then all of a sudden she has like this gun. It looks like a rifle, but it's like a rifle with like a, like a taser thing at the end. In the past, in the Dada room, the soldiers come in and Malcolm like turns invisible. So they all have those like taser rifles. They start going after him. Laura's like, there's no need for force. They won't fight back. They won't fight back. They're pacifists. And then the other suit dude, I think his name is Hodges. He's like, he tells the soldiers, like put them on their knees. In the present, the Doom Patrol, they, they're forced to their knees. You know, there's no one else there, but they suddenly, they, they fall to their knees. In the past, Hodges tell Laura, he's like, well done. He's like, you know, I've been looking forward to this for years. So he wants to personally welcome them to the Bureau's Meta Weapons Division. He tells Rita that she's finally been promoted out of the mailroom. Shelly tells him to go to hell. She's like, we'll never fight for you. He tells Laura that... She's like, you're up. And he hands her the clipboard. So she pauses She and she has like Floyd's file in, on, on the clipboard. She stamps it, weapon. And then she um, continues going, you know, weapon to, you know, in the present, she says weapons to Larry. And Jane's like, wait an effing minute. Is this about you? Is this like a flashback? And Rita in the past, she's like, how could you do this? She's like, we were like a family. Laura tells Rita, Rita that her country needs her. She's like, get on your knees, but she refuses. The soldier gets ready to tase her. Then Malcolm appears in the past. And then also in the present, and so he was wearing like a Rita kind of melty face. So he somehow appears in the present. Rita tases him in the present, but in the past, he falls to the ground because a soldier tased him. Rita goes to him and you know takes off his mask, but he's like dead. And Rita starts crying, opens his shirt, and like the bird in his chest is like dead in its cage. And she takes a little paperclip heart out, and she just like glares at, at Laura. And then her face kind of melts a little bit, and she t- turns into like a blobby ball and like rolls away. The Malcolm in the present, wearing the Rita mask, takes off the mask, and it's actually Rita. So wait, how did Rita get back? Larry and the others are confused. Then Rita turns the fog, to or turns to the fog, and she's like, she's ready. So I guess in the past. Rita, I don't know, because she didn't have her memory, but she must have turned into a whatever slime ball, sludge ball, and then went to the time machine and then went to the present. But how would she know when to go? So then now they're all in a field. The rest of the sisterhood are there. There's like a huge cage with like an egg that starts to crack. And then this giant mouth and nose with wings comes out. It's like flying in the cage, just like, you know, fluttering there. Rita tells Laura, she's like, you remember Malcolm. She's like, you you killed him and now you must set him free. And Laura's like, I didn't kill anyone. 
everything I did, I had good reason to do. And Rita's like, you told me to sisterhood of Dada was evil, but the evil one was you. And Laura's like, no. She's like, no, I'm not evil. The others say that it's true. They suffered for 70 years and did unspeakable things because of her. Laura's like, you're wrong. She's like, the whole world was crumbling around us and all I cared about was you, but I made an oath to the Bureau and I, and then the Malcolm Mouthbird thing starts flying more violently. And Rita's like, you know, we're offering you a chance to atone. Take it. And Laura just like kind of smugly nods her head. She's like, I atoned that day by making useful agents uh, out of you. And Rita goes to the cage, but Holly's like, no, it has to be Laura. But then the cage, like, I don't think Rita opened it. I think the cage just busts open and the big mouth nose bird turns into a bunch of smaller birds. And then Laura, she's like, no, you know, Rita's like, no, Laura changes into bird. They're all flying in the air. So then Rita falls to her knees and Cliff's like, was that it? Was that the eternal flatulation? And uh, Cyborg corrects and he's like, I think you mean flagellation. So he, Cliff is like out of it because, you know, from the, the, the drugs that he was, was putting him out. Sachiko says that was just a prologue, the prologue to reckoning. And Cliff's like, that sounds bad. Is it bad? And Lloyd says, only if you are. Rita says, it's just for the best. She and his sisterhood disappear. Cyborg's confused. He's like, I thought the dancing was a thing. And then a bird poops on Jane's cheek and she curses. She's like, are we just going to let them get away with this? And then one bird starts separating from the others. And it it's like Cliff's parasite thing, but it has with wings. It flies right at him. And when it when it hits him, they like disappear. Then Cliff's like, is this it? And Tybor is like, I'm still high as... And then he gets hit by a bird and disappears. And Cliff then Cliff gets hit. He disappears. So then Jane, it's just Jane sitting there. And it's like she can't move or whatever. A bunch of birds head towards her. And they like have like different persona faces, and she's just like, uh, and then she it fades to black. So where what's happening, we don't know. The show is just so weird, and that's why I I enjoy it so much. So is 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 weird. It's cool. It's good. I have no idea where this is going, but I, I like it. All right, um, just for sake of time. And I don't know if this is something I'm going to continue discussing. We'll see how, how things go for next week. But on Amazon Prime, I, I know what you did last summer started. And they they dropped the first four episodes, not this past week, but the week before. So I haven't watched the fifth episode yet. The show, the, the, the main... Um, star is madison uh eisman so she was in jumanji she was uh the like the instagram girl in in the 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 teen in the present whatever or not in the present but anyways so it's not quite the same i haven't watched a movie in in forever It, it uh it takes place in hawaii which it gives it a slightly different feel and um it's it's an interesting show. I don't know how I feel about it because you know there there's not really a lot of likable characters. There's little issues I have about certain things, but I'm I am kind of curious where the show is going to go, and I don't know if it's if there's a potential to go beyond a season, or if it if they just plan let's just do one season, boom done. Because you know obviously you know everyone would love to you know have a, a new series a franchise whatever, but. Like how long could this go? You know, I'm sure they could always, you know, try to come up with another hook at the end. But with this, so I ended up somehow. I watched all four episodes last weekend over, like you know, last Saturday and Sunday. 
Then this past Friday, the fifth episode dropped. I didn't watch it because as I'm preparing for this week's episode, and I was like, you know, four episodes is enough. But part of it is is having watched four episodes at once and then having a week go by, it feels like it's been a long time to watch like boom, 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 and then like have to wait a week. So this is, it's like, it doesn't make sense. Like don't drop two episodes, three episodes, and then go to single episodes. It's, I, I would just wish they'd rather do one at a time, but you know they want to get people hooked and kind of give them the taste of binging, and then you know then do the weekly thing. I think it's a good from a business standpoint. I think doing weekly is better because it keeps people subscribing longer. If you're invested in it, you're you know you're gonna have to keep coming back. You're gonna have to let your subscription you know continue unless you decide to wait till they're all all the episodes are out and then you binge it. I don't know. I mean, whatever. So I, I may, I'll, I'll probably try to say, I want to try watching it, but I need to start watching or I, I need to try, try to finish. I don't know if I'll be able to finish uh, lock and key season two for next week. So that kind of puts how I know what you did last summer lower on a priority for me. As far as the show, the interesting thing, and I don't want to like spoil too much, but what's interesting is the main actress, she, she plays twins. Because at first I'm watching it, I was like, wait, this, I didn't recognize her right away. She's like, she looks familiar, but I didn't like realize that she was in Jumanji and whatever else. And I was like, does she actually have a sister? Is there two of these people? <laughs> these people? And But then you find out that, like, no, she's playing the same person. So there's like a lot of scenes where she's like talking to herself. And I, I have to, I'm sure there, there's some, you know, easy way to do it or whatever, but just the fact that she's having to do this conversation with herself, you know, having to dress differently and, and whatever, and just read your lines and, you know, probably using a double that's, you know, whatever to, to bounce off this, but just to film, you know, these two different scenes or the same scene twice, it's always impressive when they do that. And, you know, I'm sure it's easier now than it was before, but you have all that. So basically... The kind of twist from the first episode, which I guess I'll spoil, is so one sister and I keep kind of getting I have to like really think and like, you know, who is who is who one sister is more of a mess up or whatever. And they they get in an argument when one, one sister is like really selfish and promiscuous and everything like that. She she ends up dying. And then the other sister accidentally hit her in a car because, you know, it was like after the party. She was upset with what her sister did. The other, like, friends, the, the other friends get in the car and they think that she is the sister. So she starts driving. And then for some reason, the other sister was in the street and she hits her. And then they pull over and they realize that she's dead. So she kind of goes along with it. And so now everyone thinks that. It was so everyone thinks that the sister that died was the other one. And then she ends up and the the what is kind of nice is she does tell her dad like what happens rather than try to trick him as well. Because, I mean, this makes it a little more, quote unquote, realistic. But basically, she now has to live her sister's life, even though her sister is dead. And part of it, you know, because they, they have to make it like she just ran away. She just like took off. You know, so she can avoid because she wants like wants to turn her herself in, and and the dad's like, I I lost one daughter, I can't lose two, and you know, there's other stuff that that goes on. You know, there, there's stuff with like their mom died when when they were young, and the dad seemed to favor one sister more towards the other, and you know, so there's like all this like drama and stuff like that. 
where the show picks up, it's like a year after, you know, so she comes back because she went away to college because her sister was supposed to go to college. So she comes back and then, you know, she has to keep posing as this other, the other sister. Throughout this, like, you know, at one point she opens her, the closet, you know, her, her door and someone wrote on a mirror, I know what you did last summer. And there's like a severed goat head because one guy, when they hit something, you're like, I th- maybe it was a goat. You know, there, there's a lot of goats here. You know, maybe we, we just killed a goat, but it wasn't a goat. It was a sister. So someone knows what they did. And because, you know, they, they took the body down to these caves by, by the water because people go there like to commit suicide, I guess, and everything like that. So they're like, you know, maybe it'll wash her away and maybe it'll find her and, and stuff like that. So someone must have seen it. You know, then you start to wonder, it's like, okay, who is making all these personal attacks and who knows all this information? Because, you know, stuff is like slowly coming out. And, you know, it's like, is a sister, you know, I wonder, is she still alive? But they saw that she was dead, but maybe she wasn't dead. But then you know, something else happens later. Uh, and it's just like, you know, who would be doing, who has the motives to do this? Now, the group of friends that were there in the car, you know, they're all part of the cover up, sort of, even though they were just in the car. So, you know, they're, they're all, it could it be one of them, you know, is one of them feeling guilty and is like, you know, trying to, terrorize the others or whatever but then one of one of the friends ends up getting killed so it's like okay someone is targeting them but then um in a later episode like you know a couple other people get killed that weren't involved in a secret so it's like why would they be killed they weren't complicit in in this secret this cover-up they're just like completely innocent so it's like that doesn't make sense i get if you want to target the people involved that know about it that were trying to hide it but then they start killing these other people it seems kind of weird so that's another reason why i'm like okay where's is, is there like an actual motive behind this or is it just you know trying to be like you know slasher movie type of thing so it it's it's fine like i said i i am curious i do want to watch it i just don't i can't put it as a, as a top priority because i just don't have the time but it is uh it might be worth checking out um it's just it's kind of weird um yeah, like I don't, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'm really curious to see what the the thinking behind the production of the show, like you know, wh- where are they trying to go with this and what they're gonna do. So if you're a fan of the original, or if you didn't like the original, if you want something, and I kind of wonder, is like, is this because who who is this show made for? Because with the 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 kids are all like you know, kind of 18, 19 year old kids. So those of us who have seen the original we might not be able to connect with these younger characters and younger care and younger viewers probably don't know anything about the original movies. Maybe they haven't seen it. So it's like, why would they care? But then, uh, cause then like the fourth episode, it has like a, a very like, not really like a hardcore, like opening scene, like what the promiscu- promiscuity, whatever, just, there's like some sex and nudity stuff. <laughs> and it's weird because like the first three episodes don't really deal with that so much. And all of a sudden, boom, here you go. And so again, it's like, you know, who is this show made for or whatever, but that's just how things go. So I'll watch it probably at some point. Maybe I'll, t- I don't know if I'll talk about episode five next week. Cause ne- episode six is going to come out next. I'm like already behind. So we'll see. Okay, then Injustice came out last week on 4K, Ultra HD, Blu-ray, and on digital. So all on the same day. And, uh, yeah. So I really wanted to like the movie. You know, the game was cool. 
you know, I just played it a little bit. The comics were, were really cool, were, were good. Uh, you know, I was always amazed at how long this, the le- longevity of the comic. And, you know, because it's because of Tom Taylor and then Brian Bucciolato that we got like all these really, really cool stories that come out of this. Unfortunately, the, the problem, the main problem with the movie is that they're, they're telling this story within a single movie. You know, it's like a 70 something minute movie. There really isn't enough time to flesh out the characters. So as you know, the basic the, the situation is Superman turns bad and he's like new world order. I'm going to take over and I'll, I'll kind of go through some some of the stuff like just how the little differences in, in the beginning. I won't spoil the whole thing. Well, actually, I want to just get into it, and then I can can address this stuff. So it, it starts off, we see Lois and Clark lying in bed, and then he hears another heartbeat, so she's pregnant. He gets excited and everything like that. Um, she's going to go to the bathroom, but then he hears, like, some thugs fighting Batman. So one's like, shoot him or whatever. So Superman zips off. He stops the guy, and Batman's like, I had him. And then he's and Superman's like, well, what do I owe to pleasure you being you know here in Metropolis? And he's like, Joker's here. So Superman says, he's like, well, I have news. And Batman's like, Lois is pregnant. And Superman's like, how would you know? And Batman's like, your, your hands are in trouble when you face Doomsday. So I guess, you know, he's excited and nervous or whatever. Then, um, then must be later because I think, I think it's, yeah, Lois, Jimmy and Lois. Yeah. They're scoping out some deals going down on the dock. And then Joker shoots at them, shoots Jimmy through his camera lens. Jimmy's dead. And, uh, and then Harley comes up behind and hits Lois with a mallet. So I don't think this isn't how it went down. I'm pretty sure it didn't happen like this in, in the comic and video game, whatever. So Superman arrives, finds Jimmy's dead. Then, uh, you know, he takes the Superman watch. He wonders, where's Lois? So Batman, you know, so Batman's helped her looking. Batman talks to the scientist whose lab was attacked by the Joker. They were experimenting with kryptonite. And, you know, they weren't bad, but they were trying to see if they could, it could be used to cure stuff. Superman zips in and he's like, he's like, I, I can't see or hear Lois. And Batman's like, we're not alone. And Superman, you know, he doesn't care. He sees like Joker card. So he, he knows that Joker must have her. So he zips off. Batman calls the Justice League now. He's like, one of our own is missing. He's like, we need to find, you know, Lois or whatever. Flash finds Scarecrow, Joker eyes. And then um, then something happens to Flash. And it's just like, like that. It's like, okay, that's it. Wonder Woman calls and says Joker and Harley took a like a nuclear sub and they have Lois. So Superman goes after pulls the sub out. Inside there's a bunch of like green gas. Uh, Joker and Harley have masks on. They step aside and they, Superman sees Doomsday's there. So he grabs him, busts out through the the submarine, and he's like, "I won't let you hurt anyone." Green Lantern, Batman, and Wonder Woman arrive and they grab Joker and Harley. And then Batman sees Joker mix mix kryptonite with scarecrow's fear toxin so he calls superman he's like whatever you see it's not real but superman's already out in space and then he realizes that it's lois and there's like a scar on her chest and he sees her heartbeat it's like so when her heart stops a bomb like a nuclear bomb goes off in metropolis but you know green lantern is able to enclose them in a like a construct bubble so they they survive so this is different than in a comic because uh I believe in the, in the game in the comic, Joker blew up the Daily Planet, killing pregnant Lois and Perry and Jimmy and everything like that. So the movie is already veering off differently, which is fine because you know if it's a straight adaptation, you're you're, you're going to know everything that happens. But then uh, Batman talks to Joker in interrogation. 
he's like, you took Superman's wife, an unborn child in city. He's like, you know, why him? Whatever. But then uh, Superman hands Lois's body to Wonder Woman. He flies off. Hal tries stopping him. He's like, you need time to process or whatever. He tries enclosing him in energy, but then Superman just grabs his ring and he falls, but he, you know, he lets him, you know, takes him to safety. And then, you know, Joker wonders what Superman will become now. And Batman's like, there are some things you can't corrupt. Like he'll grieve, but he'll continue to be the best man that I know. And then Joker laughs and he's like, well, the joke's on you. And then Superman busts in, hits Joker through the chest. And Joker's like, now that's a punchline. And, and that's it. So, and it kind of goes from there. And like I said, it's just, things just go really fast. I, I feel like, like in the comics and everything like that, because, you know, the whole idea of Superman, like Batman said, you know, he, he wouldn't be corrupted that easily. Yeah, he's grieving and everything like that. But then he just like totally goes off and just, you know, wanting, wanting to stop all countries from fighting and wars and guns. And, you know, if anyone who agrees, that's it. And then Wonder Woman just kind of goes along with him. She's like, okay, yeah. So it's almost like she's just kind of like a cheerleader and just doing what he says. And I, I just, this would have been better as at least like two, like a part one, part two movies. And and I, I kind of get why Warner Brothers wouldn't want to do it. Because, you know, with Long Halloween and even like Dark Knight Returns, you don't want to like overdo the, the part one, part two. But I think it could be a good thing. I, I guess it's maybe just kind of a gamble. Because, you know, are people going to want to watch part one and then come back for part two? But I think that they would, because I, I feel like there's just so much of the stories, you know, especially with all the comics, that it could just really be fleshed out. You, know, we get like hints of different things. You know, there's stuff like with Harley and Green Arrow, but that it doesn't get like played out in the movie. It's it's like just so many things are just cut. You know, are so abrupt. There's so much more that, that could have been told, and they just decide to cram it all in one movie. And then even like the ending. I don't even know how I feel about the ending. I mean, it was interesting, you know, something different, but it was just, it was just kind of weird. I, I don't know. So, I mean, if you're a fan of the game and the comics, you might be a little disappointed. I mean, you're probably going to be disappointed with the movie. But I say, you know, if you are a fan, it is worth checking out just to see like a new interpretation because the kind of good thing is it's not completely identical. Because if it's completely the same thing, that might be kind of boring because you know everything that's going to happen. You know it's how it's going to end. But I think it, it's, it was okay. I just wish it could have been fleshed out a little more. So while you know it's a good production and everything, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's quite up to par as the other recent. You know, of, like the DC animated movies are, are all pretty good. Even like some of the character designs, I wasn't super crazy about, and I I can appreciate that they're making them feel different and you know whatever. But like just some of like the weird armor or just just look of some of the characters, and I don't remember if if they were like that in the game or the, the comics, but it just it looked different. But at the same time, that's fine. You know, keep it separate from what's been going on in, in the you know the, the other recent movies. So I was a little disappointed. You know, just as a. a kind of fan, you know, kind of fan of the game, but like a bigger fan of the comics. I just wish that they could have done more. I don't know if that's just me like harping like, oh, I, they could have done, you know, I want more and more and more, but I just feel like that there was like some wasted potential that they, they could have done more with this, but they did what they could to come up with a under an hour and a half long movie. But yeah, so, so there you go. You know, I hate to say, you know, it's it's not the best, but, it, you know, it's it's not. It's worth checking out. But, yeah, just just be be aware of that. 
that don't set your expectations too high. Look at it as as a, a different take on, on the familiar story, and you know, just kind of kind of like a what if almost. You know, like you know, what if things happen just a tiny bit differently, so you, you can see how things play out. And you know, I think there are. It's good that some that have the the differences, have the surprises, so it's you know to keep you your attention there. So that was injustice. Okay, and now the movie feature is Dune. So I, I'm seeing a lot of reaction. Like people love the movie. They're saying, you know, they, they say yes, and I agree. You should see it on the biggest screen possible. You know what? I mean, the visuals and just everything are are, are so cool, so so good. Watching it, even if you have a big screen TV, it's almost it's not it wouldn't do it justice. But it's just like the sound, the music, the music gets intense at some points. But like everything, just just the visuals, the cinematography, I mean, the effects, it's all really cool. But for me, I can't say that I absolutely loved it like a lot of people did. I mean, some people are just like so hardcore, like this is great and everything like that. For me, it was it was good. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous, incredibly made movie. But I've always just found a story just a little like okay, because I mean, I, I mentioned, I think I mentioned, I've listened to the audio book, and I think I listened to two books. I I'm not, I, I should look that up sometime because I'm sure I can just find out through my my audible history. But I didn't like love it, and I, I think I mentioned is whether you know I, I talked about the 1984 movie on the secret podcast um, like. A month ago, like four weeks ago or something like that. And, you know, my, my brother-in-law, he really likes the books and everything like that. But I just, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, some people, I, I guess are saying it's like sci-fi for adults. So is, does that mean I'm not an adult? And that's kind of like the idea with the 1984 movie is they wanted to be like a Star Wars for adults, you know, a little more mature or whatever. And I just, I don't know. I, I think the way the movie is, you know, at the beginning when you're seeing just it's good that they flesh things out, you know, differently than Injustice, where Injustice is just all crammed in. So, you know, play out the characters, show us who they are, develop them, and, you know, what's the story, and what's happening, what's the plight, how's this going along, how's this affecting everyone. So all that's good. But there's sometimes, in a movie, it's almost like it's a little slow in the beginning. You know, it's like, you know, halfway through towards the end, you know, the action starts picking up, starts getting, a little, you know, cooler and interesting, and then before you know it, like, the movie's over. So this is clearly like part one. When, when they're saying, you know, they want to do like part one and part two, I was like, oh, they want to do like first book. Because again, there is a second book, right? Or more than one book, more than two books. I felt like that that's kind of what they're talking about. But it's like, no, uh, the movie is not the complete first book. The movie is not the complete 1984 movie, which again, that was a mess because of different reasons or various reasons. It's, it's weird where the movie leaves off. I mean, it is kind of a cliffhanger. And, you know, the story is not over, not resolved. And ho- I really hope it is successful enough to get a second picture. You know, we have a great cast. There's a lot of, lot of cool characters and everything like that. But we really don't see the whole thing. So it's, you know, going to be interesting to see how all this um, plays out. Um, looking... I just did a, like a Google search, like top stories right now. CNN says Dune is Hollywood's epic sci-fi moment of 2021. Then USA Today says uh, David Lynch's 1984 Dune is more entertaining than a new sci-fi epic. And Variety says box office Dune voyaging to the $39.1 million opening, which isn't super great, I don't think. I mean, it's it's good but it's understandable and there's also the fact that you know i'm sure a lot of people are watching it at home on hbo max 
So you have all that. Um, as far as reception goes, let's see if I look this up. So I'm, I'm looking on uh, Wikipedia. As of October 22nd, it grossed $17.5 million. So this was uh, pre-whatever weekend box office. $129.7 million in other territories. Worldwide total of $147.3 million. Deadline Hollywood reported that a total box office gross of $300 million will make many happy from the image standpoint, even if break-even is far north of that. Okay. The film, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, who cares about the critical response? That's what I wanted. Rotten Tomato, it's at 83% as of this, based on 309 reviews with an average of 7.7 out of 10. The consensus is Dune occasionally struggles with its unwieldy source material, but those issues are largely overshadowed by the scope and ambition of this visually thrilling adaptation. Metacritic, it's an average score of 75 out of 100, based on 58 critics. Um, CinemaScore gave the film an average of A- minus on an A plus F scale. Post-Track gave it an 84% positive score. Um, with average rating 4.5 out of 5, 66% saying they would definitely recommend it. Okay. The, the other thing was, as I'm watching this, and it might be for me a little different since, you know, I, I listened to the audio. I don't even remember when I listened to the audiobook. It was probably within the last year, maybe longer. I mean, time seems to fly by whatever. And then, you know, I watched a 1984 movie uh, probably a couple months ago, and that was the first time I watched it. So I think with the book still relatively fresh, and then with the 1984 movie, which again was a mess, but you know it's a story. And then watching this, so it's almost like I'm watching the same story, you know, or experiencing the same story three times in a somewhat relatively short period. So it's like I know what's supposed to happen, and that that could be a good thing, you know. And because you know, like watching the '84 version, having listened to the book, I knew like there are some things that were skipped, so I was able, like, yeah, I know what this is supposed to be, and so forth. But Watching the new movie, I was I was a little bored at times. You know, I hate to say that because again, it's, it's such an amazingly made movie. But part of it, I, I almost felt like it was a little pretentious at times. And you know, there's a lot of talk in the story, and I, I'm not really getting involved in the story because you know, you you I'm sure you know what the story is about. You know, going into this planet, there's the spices and there's um, emperors trying to set up the duke, you know, because he gives him the planet to, you know, take over, but it's all a setup. He's trying to kill him, and, you know, um, Timothy Chalamet, his character Paul, is kind of destined to become this whatever leader and, and stuff like that. So I think all this stuff about the destiny and the dreams and, you know, like what's meant to be and all this great greatness, I almost feel like that that gives it like a pretentious feeling. And it kind of came across with the movie. For me personally, I kind of felt like that, where it's like, and it maybe it's like, you know, when like early reviews, people are like, like, oh, this is so great and everything like that. I don't know, what, you know, that that shouldn't bother you. But it, sometimes it bothers me where it's like everyone loves it. And it's like, okay, so you're saying I'm supposed to love it. I, I want to form my own opinion. I, I don't know. I mean, it was cool. It, it was weird seeing Jason Momoa with like no facial hair. He, he, he looked kind of kind of weird that way. But, you know, there's good, cool performances and in, in, in all around. But just, just a lot of it. And I, part of it, because, you know, like, so the character Timothy Chalamet is Paul. You know, he was having these dreams and these visions of, you know, the, the Fremen people and everything, you know, this, this race of people on this planet. And, every, you know, he, would, he was seeing visions of Zendaya, you know, her character. 
just a lot of like the way she would look at him. It's like, okay, who are you and what what is this? Because when they finally meet in person, it was just like this weird thing, and it's just like, yeah, what I I don't know how to describe it, but it's just it was just kind of just really all over the place, and I I think it's just me. I, and I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I love it like everyone else because I don't do that. I can't do that. I refuse to do that. So I'm, I am not absolutely not saying it's a bad movie. Again, it is really well done. It's really cool to see. But for me, it was just like, okay. I mean, it was fine. Uh, I would like, I mean, maybe I'll watch it again. You know, I can watch it at home now. But I, I do agree. You should definitely see it on a big screen. I mean, it it is it is an ambitiously made movie, and and they they succeed in in doing everything like just all the everything the costumes, the sceneries, the gadgets, the effects, all that looks great. But just like the story itself, I mean, to me, when I listen to Adi, but it always felt a little dated because you know the book was written a while ago, and I just kind of feel like that. I don't know. It just it doesn't get me like. It doesn't knock my socks off. But that being said, you know, it, it is not a bad movie. You know, it's not. And I, yeah, my, my weak excuses when I watched it, you know, the night before, I, I didn't get a good night's sleep. And then, you know, sitting in a th- working all day and sitting in a theater, I'm just like, okay. So it's, it is worth watching. And if you, yes, you're on social media, you see anything, you know, people really love it. So there's a good chance you would. This is one time I'm saying, you know, don't just listen to what I say. I'm just being honest where i liked it i did not love it but you know it's it's a good movie for me it wasn't a spectacular movie uh you know it's it's not going to be like you know top five favorite movies of the year i don't even know if it'd be top 10 i'd have to think about it so it's very well done everything it is cool to see it you know especially watch the, the first one too and just compare them i mean not not to compare them in a, in a mean unfair way but it is, it's cool to see like how things have changed from 84 to now, like what you can do and, and everything. So that's my take on it. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. It's just, it's not for me. And maybe I just need to watch it again. Or maybe I'm just, I just, I don't know. Maybe I just need a, a breather from, from Dune. But, but yeah, so there you go. I mean, and I, I wish, it, I, I do want there to be a, a part, I do want to see part two. I, so I really hope it does get made. But now the question is, when will they, you know, when will they, they make a decision about it? And then when would they be able to film it? And how long is it going to take? Because it would have been nice if they were able to do them back to back, because then we could get, you know, part two in a year or, or so. But now it's going to be longer. And I feel like that's really going to lose its momentum. So I, I, I don't know. I really I, I want this movie to be successful and everything like that. And I, I just hope for all the best for it. So that's all I'm going to say. All of the performances were good. Yeah, and I, I don't want to give anything away in case you haven't seen or read anything before. But you should definitely check it out. And on that note, I'm going to cut, cut this short because, again, it's crazy times. And I don't want to babble too much about nothing. So... Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck. And I am currently discussing 2005's All-Star Batman and Robin by Jim Lee or by Frank Miller and Jim Lee. And it's, uh, it is something. <laughs> it's crazy. 
<laughs> if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out. Be really cool. Uh, be very. I'll be very, very thankful. You can go to coffee.com slash heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash heck. All right, what is happening next week? So um, I think I mentioned Titans was a season finale. So Titans is over. Um, we still have more. I, I think there's more. Why the Last Man? Now I forget how many episodes there are. I think there's two more episodes. Maybe there's 10. That would make sense. So we got Chucky. We got Stargirl for a couple more weeks or a few more weeks. Legends of Tomorrow. More Doom Patrol, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if I'll talk about how or I know what you did last summer. We'll see about that. As far as the movie um, feature, I really don't know. I honestly don't know what the feature will be next week. I'm debating between Antlers and Last Night in Soho. I really want to see Last Night in Soho. You know, Edgar Wright. I'm really curious to see how it's going to go. But I don't know how. how it, I'm not sure if it's going to be a good movie or not. And if it would be worth talking about. Um, I, I do. I, I'm going to see it regardless. I'm going to see it at some point. Whether I see it next week or not, I don't know. Because there's also the movie Antlers, which um, has Carrie Russell and what's his name, uh, Jason Plemons. That that looks kind of like a creepy movie. So I might be more in the mood for that. They both they both look really good. I wish they weren't both opening the same weekend. So it'll be one of those. I'm leaning a little more towards Antlers. So we'll have to see. I, I don't know. And hopefully, I don't have a ticket yet because usually I buy tickets in advance. My um, my theater doesn't didn't have any Thursday night preview tickets yet. So hopefully that will happen. Maybe now I haven't checked in the last in a couple days, but hopefully there'll be something. Army of Thieves also opens up Friday. I don't know if I'll talk about that on the next episode. That might be the next next one. And then um, whether or not I, I don't know how far I'm going to get through lock and oh I'll definitely talk about lock and key. I don't know if it'd be the entire season. We'll have to see. I I, I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to get through the entire season. Um, I'm going to try. So we'll see. So that'll be next week. A lot to look forward to. Following week is um, Eternals, and uh, and then I think Ghostbusters after that, and so forth. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. I appreciate you. I hope you are doing well. Hope you are staying healthy. I hope you're finding some fun things to do with your life. I hope um, it's not just like work. Or I hope you do have work if you need work. And I really hope that you remember to be good to each other. 